Welcome to the latest episode of Corona Cold Reads, brought to you by My Entertainment World. Um, I'm your host, Kelly Bedard. I'm really, really excited about this one. Um, this is our King Lear read. This We were gearing up for this sort of since we started. It's our fifth reading that we've done. Um, and this is sort of a cast for the ages. This is the sort of cast that if a professional theater company were to bust out this cast, it would get talked about as all-star and all-time, in my opinion. I'm so pleased with it. Um, basically, what happened was I wanted to do King Lear because King Lear is, you know, arguably the greatest thing ever written in the English language. Don't at me. Um, although, why would you? Because that's pretty consensus opinion. And it's also got a great ensemble cast, which if you've listened to the other intros that I've done is something I am looking for, especially in these early reads. Um, I like something that has lots of interesting things for lots of interesting people to do, as opposed to some of the tragedies um, where like the title role really carries it, you know, Hamlet's about Hamlet. So King Lear is a little bit more balanced. It's not entirely about King Lear. Uh, There are lots of fantastic roles in it, and I knew that I'd be able to find some really interesting, really talented people to fill out all of those roles. Um, And some of them, we have some of the most successful and amazing actors that um, exist (laughs) in the world um, and are especially big names in Canada. You've got Andre Sills, who wanted to play Edmund, and Laura Conlon has graciously agreed to return to play Kent. Um, And then we've also got on the other end of the spectrum, I really wanted to use this opportunity to really spotlight some of my favorite artists who I don't think get the exposure that they deserve. Um, And so that's what I did when approaching uh, the roles of the sisters. Um, We have... Uh, Anne Van Leeuwen is Goneril and Loren Hereda is Regan, as well as my favorite actress from the Shaw Festival, Jen Jawashinsky. Um, and then we have Scott Garland as the Fool. Um, and we have lots of, it's just a really, really good cast. And I like that balance that we have of um, some of the greatest talents and some of the people who I think really need a little bit more attention than they're getting because they're just extraordinary Um, and the way that this cast ended up coming together is that when I decided to do King Lear, I knew I had to get a Lear first and foremost, before I even announced that we were going to do Lear, I wanted to make sure that we had someone who could carry that lead role. Cause while he is not Hamlet, he doesn't, it's not like the whole play is really, um, you know, he doesn't talk that much more than everybody else, but he's so crucial, obviously. And it's an incredibly, incredibly difficult part. And demographically, it's a pretty small group of people who can do it. Um, in Canadian theater, we don't have a ton of older actors um, who are still working at the level to be able to play Lear. And we especially don't have a lot of them in the indie world, uh, which is how I've been casting a lot of these other readings, um, just reaching out to sort of my friends who are on my Facebook and feel like doing a reading. And that's just not how you can cast a King Lear. Uh, So I reached for the fences and I pulled out, I left Facebook and went to the email and contacted my very first choice, which is uh, Scott Wentworth, who is an actor with Stratford. And he's just one of the all-time greats. He's just a really, I mean, I don't even know how to describe Scott Wentworth other than just like one of the greats. I don't know if it was most recently, but like the most recent thing that stands out in my mind is he played James Tyrone in Long Day's Journey Into Night a couple seasons ago. And he's just an anchor of the festival. He's an extraordinary talent. And um, I just knew he'd be a great Lear to the best of my knowledge. He hadn't played it. Uh, he certainly hasn't played it at Stratford. Um, 
and I really wanted to see it. So I reached out to Scott and he immediately said yes. And from there I knew I had to get, um, the rest of the cast that would live up to the, uh, amazingness at the center of this all, uh, which is the, the incredible tour de force, um, that is Scott Wentworth. Um, so he absolutely even exceeded my very high expectations with this read, which I believe was still a fairly cold read, but it sounds like a rehearsed, like you could just transplant this audio onto a stage and it's a, he's amazing. Um, the rest of the cast really, you know, rises to the challenge. And I think this is a really special read. And um, we had some technical issues went in with the live stream. So the live stream didn't actually kick in until Act 2. So people watching live um, weren't able to see the whole show. So we now have the audio of the whole thing as well as the video of the whole thing is as, as well up on myentertainmentworld.ca as well as on our YouTube channel. And um, as always, for future reads, check out our Twitter and Instagram at myentworld, world to see what we're doing next. Um, I think this is probably going to be our biggest read, although, you know, never say never. Who knows what we're going to do from here? We've still got a while of quarantine left. So, but I was really proud of this one. And I just love King Lear. And I think that at the end of the day, great people reading great words is all you really need to have one of these things work. And this is the best of those two things. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. I thought the king had more affected the Duke of Albany than Cornwall. It did always seem so to us, but now in the division of the kingdom, it appears not which of the dukes he values most. For the qualities are so weighed that curiosity and neither can make choice of either's moiety. Is not this your son, my lord? Uh, his breeding, sir, hath been at my charge. I, I have so often blushed to acknowledge him that now I'm braised to it. I cannot conceive you. Sir, this young fellow's mother could, whereupon she grew round-wombed and had indeed, sir, a son for her cradle ere she had a husband for her bed. Uh, do you smell a fault? <laughs> I cannot wish the fault undone, the issue of it being so proper. But I have, sir, a son by order of law, some year elder than this, who yet is no dearer in my account. Though this knave came something saucily into the world before he was sent for, yet his mother was fair. There was good sport at his making, and the horson must be acknowledged. Do you know this noble gentleman, Edmund? No, my lord. My lord of Kent. Remember him hereafter as my honorable friend. My services to your lordship. I must love you, and sue to know you better. Sir? I shall study deserving. He hath been out nine years, and away he shall again. The king is coming. Senate. Enter King Lear, Cornwall, Albany, Goneril, Regan, Cordelia, and attendants. Attend the lords of France and Burgundy, Gloucester. I shall, my liege. Exit Meantime, we shall... Sorry, go ahead, Scott. <laughs> Meantime, we shall express our darker purpose. Give me the map there. Know that we have divided in three our kingdom, and tis our fast intent to shake all cares and business from our age, conferring them on younger strengths, while we, unburdened, crawl toward death. Our son of Cornwall, and you are no less loving son of Albany, we have this hour a constant will to publish our daughter's several dowers, that future strife may be prevented now the princes France and Burgundy, 
great rivals in our youngest daughter's love, long in our court have made their amorous sojourn, and here are to be answered. Tell me, my daughters, since now we will divest us both of rule, interest of territory, cares of state, which of you, shall we say, doth love us most? That we our largest bounty may extend, where nature doth with merit challenge. Goneril, our eldest born, speak first. Sir, I love you more than words can wield the matter. Dearer than eyesight, space, and liberty. Beyond what can be valued, rich or rare, no less than life, with grace, health, beauty, honor, as much as child e'er loved or father found, a love that makes breath poor and speech unable, beyond all manner of so much, I love you. What shall Cordelia speak? Love and be silent. Of all these bounds, even from this line to this, with shadowy forests and with champagnes riched, with plenteous rivers and wide-skirted meads, we make thee, lady, to thine and Albany's issue, be this perpetual. What says our second daughter? Our dearest Regan, wife of Cornwall. Speak. Sir, I am made of the self-same metal that my sister is, and prize me at her worth. In my true heart, I find she names my very deed of love, only she comes too short that I profess myself an enemy to all other joys, which the most precious square of sense possesses, I find I am alone. Felicitate in your dear highness's love. And poor Cordelia, and yet not so, since I am sure my love's more ponderous than my tongue. To thee and thine hereditary ever remain this ample third of our fair kingdom, no less in space, validity, and pleasure, than that conferred on Goneril. Now our joy, although our last at least, to whose young love the vines of France and milk of Burgundy strive to be interest, what can you say to draw a third more opulent than your sisters? Speak. Nothing, my lord. Nothing? Nothing. Nothing will come of nothing. Speak again. Unhappy that I am, I cannot heave my heart into my mouth. I love your majesty according to my bond. No more, no less. How, how, Cordelia, mend your speech a little, lest you may mar your fortunes. Good, my lord, you have begot me, bred me, loved me. I return those duties back as are right fit obey you, love you, and most honor you. Why have my sisters husbands if they say they love you all? Haply, when I shall wed, that lord whose hand must take my plight shall carry half my love with him, half my care and duty. Sure, I shall never marry like my sisters to love my father all. But goes thy heart with this? Aye, my good lord. So young and so untender? So young, my lord, and true. Let it be so, thy truth then be thy dower. For by the sacred radiance of the sun, 
the mysteries of Hecate and the night, by all the operation of the orbs from whom we do exist and cease to be, here I disclaim all my paternal care, propinquity and property of blood, and as a stranger to my heart and me, hold thee from this forever, the barbarous Scythian. Or he that makes his generation messes to gorge his appetite shall to my bosom be as well neighbored, pitied, and relieved as thou, my sometime daughter. Good, my liege. Kent, come not between the dragon and his wrath. I loved her most, and thought to set my rest on her kind nursery, hence and avoid my sight. So be my grave, my peace, as here I give her father's heart from her. Call France. Who stirs? Call Burgundy. Cornwall and Albany. With my two daughters' dowers digest this third. Let pride, which she calls plainness, marry her. I do invest you jointly with my power, preeminence, and all the large effects that troop with majesty. Ourself by monthly course with a... Reservation of an hundred nights by you to be sustained shall our abode make with you by due turn. Only we shall retain the name and all the addition to a king. The sway, revenue, execution of the rest, beloved sons, be yours, which to confirm this cornet part between you. Giving the Royal Lear, whom I have ever honored as my king, loved as my father, as my master, followed as my great patron fought on in my prayers. The bow is bent and drawn, make from the shaft. Let it fall, rather, though the fork invade the region of my heart. Be Kent unmannerly when Lear is mad. What wilt thou do, old man? Think'st thou that duty shall have dread to speak when power to flattery bows? To plainness honor's bound when majesty stoops to folly. Reserve reversed thy doom and in thy best consideration check this hideous rashness answer my life my judgment thy youngest daughter does not love thee least nor are those empty-hearted whose low sound reverbs no hollowness kent on thy life no more my life i never held but as a pawn to wage against thine enemies to fear to lose it thy safety being the motive out of my sight Say better, Lear, and let me still remain the true blank of thine eye. Now by Apollo. Now by Apollo, king, thou swearest thy gods in vain. Oh, vassal, miscreant! Laying his hand on his sword. Dear sir, forbear. Do kill thy physician, and the fee bestow upon thy foul disease. Revoke thy doom, or whilst I can vent clamor from my throat, I'll tell thee thou dost evil. Hear me, recreant, on thine allegiance, hear me. That thou hast sought to make us break our vows, which we durst never yet, and with strained pride to come betwixt our sentence and our power. Which not our nature nor our place can bear. Our potency made good, take thy reward. Five days we do allow thee for provision to shield thee from disasters of the world and on the sixth to turn thy hated back upon our kingdom. 
If on the tenth day following thy banished trunk be found in our dominions, the moment is thy death away. By Jupiter, this shall not be revoked. Fare thee well, king. Sith thus thou wilt appear, freedom lives hence, and banishment is here. To Cordelia. The gods to their dear shelter take thee, maid, that justly thinks, and hast most rightly said. To Regan and Goneril. And your large speeches may your deeds approve, that good effects may spring from words of love. Thus, Kent, O princes, bids you all adieu. He'll shape his old course in a country new. Exit. Flourish. Re-enter Gloucester with King of France, Burgundy, and attendants. Here's France and Burgundy, my noble lord. My lord of Burgundy, we first address towards you, who with this king hath rivaled for our daughter. What in the least will you require in present dower with her, or cease your quest of love? Most royal majesty, I crave no more than what your highness offered, nor will you tender less. Right, noble Burgundy, when she was dear to us, we did hold her so, but now her price is fallen. Sir, there she stands. If aught within that little seeming substance, or all of it with our displeasure pieced, and nothing more, may fitly like your grace, she's there and she is yours. I know no answer. Will you? With those infirmities she owes, unfriended, new adopted to our hate, dowered with our curse, and strangered with our oath, take her or leave her. Pardon me, royal sir. Election makes not up on such conditions. Then leave her, sir, for by the power that made me, I tell you all her worth. For you, great king. I would not from your love make such a stray to match you where I hate. Therefore beseech you to avert your liking a more worthier way than on a wretch whom nature is ashamed almost to acknowledge hers. This is most strange that she, but even but now was your best object, the argument of your praise, balm of your age, most best, most dearest, should in this trice of time commit a thing so monstrous to demantle so many folds of favor. Sure, her offense must be of so, such a natural degree that monsters it, or your love for vouched affection fallen into taint, which to believe of her must be a faith that reason without miracle could never plant in me. I yet beseech your majesty, if for I want that glib and oily art to speak and purpose not, since what I well intend, I'll do it before I speak, that you make known it is no vicious blot, murder or foulness, no unchaste action or dishonored step that hath deprived me of your grace and favor, but even for want of that for which I am richer, a still soliciting eye and such a tongue that I am glad I have not, though not to have it hath lost me in your liking. Better thou. Hadst not been born, than not to have pleased me better. Is it but this? A tardiness in nature, which often leaves the history unspoke that it intends to do? My lord of Burgundy, what say you to the lady? 
Love's not love when it is mingled with regards that stand aloof from the entire point. Will you have her? She is herself a dowry. Well, Lear, give but that portion which you yourself propose, and here I take Cordelia by the hand, Duchess of Burgundy. Nothing. I have sworn. I am firm. I am sorry, then. You have so lost a father that you must lose a husband. Peace be with Burgundy. Since that respect and fortunes are his love, I shall not be his wife. Fairest Cordelia, that art most rich being poor, most choice forsaken and most love despised, thee and thy virtues here I seize upon. Be it lawful, I take up what's cast away. Gods, gods, tis strange that from their coldest neglect my love should kindle to inflamed respect. Thy dowerless daughter, king, thrown to my chance, is queen of us of ours and our fair France. Not all the dukes of waterish Burgundy can buy this unprized, precious maid of me. Bid them farewell, Cordelia, though unkind, thou losest here a better where to find. Thou hast her France, let her be thine, for we have no such daughter, nor shall ever see. That face of hers again, therefore be gone, without our grace, our love, our benison. Come, noble Burgundy. Flourish, exempt all but King of France, Goneril, Regan, and Cordelia. Bid farewell to your sisters. The jewels of our father, with washed eyes, Cordelia leaves you. I know you what you are, and like a sister, I'm most loath to call your faults as they are named. Love well our father. To your professed bosoms I commit him. But yet, alas, stood I within his grace, I would prefer him to a better place. So farewell to you both. Prescribe us not our duties. Let your study be content, your lord, who hath received you at fortune's alms. You have obedience scanted, and well are worth the want that you have wanted. Time shall unfold what plighted cunning hides, who covert faults at last with shame derides. Well, may you prosper. Come, my fair Cordelia. Exempt King of France and Cordelia. Sister, it is not a little I have to say of what most nearly appertains to us both. I think our father will hence tonight. That's most certain, and with you, next month with us. You see how full of changes his age is. The observation we have made of it hath not been little. He always loved our sister most, and with what poor judgment he hath now cast her off appears too grossly. Tis the infirmity of his age, yet he hath ever been slenderly known himself. The best and soundest of his time hath been but rash. Then must we look to receive from his age not alone the imperfections of long and graft condition, but therewithal un the unruly waywardness that infirm and choleric ears bring with them. Such unconstant starts are we like to have from him as this of Kent's banishment. There is further compliment of leave-taking between France and him. Pray you, let's hit together. If our father carry authority with such dispositions as he bears, the last surrender of his will but offend us. We shall further think on't. 
we must do something and in the heat. Exempt. Scene two, the Earl of Gloucester's castle, enter Edmund with a letter. Thou, nature, art my goddess. To thy law my services are bound. Wherefore should I stand in the plague of custom and permit, and permit the curiosity of nations to derive me for that I am some 12 or 14 moonshines lag of a brother? Why bastard? Wherefore base? When my dimensions are as well compact, my mind as generous, and my shape as true as honest madam's issue, why brand us with base, with baseness, bastardy, base, base? Who in the lusty stealth of nature take more composition and fierce quality than doth with a dull, stale, tired bed go to the creating a whole tribe of fops got tween sleep and wake? Well then, legitimate Edgar, I must have your land. Our father's love is to the bastard Edmund as to the as to the legitimate. Fine word, legitimate. Well then, my legitimate. If this letter speed and my invention thrive, Edmund the base shall top the legitimate. I grow, I prosper. Now, gods, stand up for bastards. Enter Gloucester. And France in color parted, the king calm tonight, subscribed his power, confined to exhibition, all this done upon the gad? Edmund, how now, what news? So please your lordship, none. Putting up the letter. Why so earnestly seek you to put up that letter? I know no news, my lord. What paper were you reading? Nothing, my lord. No? What needed then that terrible dispatch of it into your pocket? The quality of nothing hath not such need to hide itself. Let's see, come, if it be nothing, I shall not need spectacles. I beseech you, sir, pardon me. It is a letter from my brother that I have not all or read, and for so much I have perused, I find it not fit for your looking. Give me the letter, sir. I shall offend either to detain or give it. The contents, as in part I understand them, are to blame. Let's see, let's see. I hope for my brother's justification. He wrote this but as an essay or taste of my virtue. This policy and reverence of age makes the world bitter to the best of our times, keeps our fortunes from us till our oldness cannot relish them. I begin to find an idle and fond bondage in the oppression of aged tyranny, who sways not as it hath power, but as it is suffered. Come to me that I may speak more. If our father would sleep till I waked him, you should enjoy half his revenue forever and live the beloved of your brother, Edgar. Oh, conspiracy. Sleep till I waked him. You should enjoy half his revenue. My son, Edgar, had he a hand to write this, a heart and brain to breed it in? 
When came this to you? Who brought it? It was not brought me, my lord. There was, there was the cunning of it. I found it thrown in at my casement of my closet. You know the character to be your brother's? If the matter were good, my lord, I durst swear it were his. But in respect of that, I would fain think it were not. It is his. It is his, it is his hand, my lord. But I hope my heart, not the contents. Has he never heretofore sounded you in this business? Never, my lord. But I have heard him oft maintain it to be fit that sons as perfect age and fathers declining, the father should be as ward to the son, and the son manage his revenue. Oh, villain. Villain is very opinion in the letter. Abhorred villain. Unnatural, detested, brutish villain. Worse than brutish. Go, sir, I'll seek him. I'll apprehend him. Abominable villain. Where is he? I do not know, my lord. If it shall please you to suspend your indignation against my brother till you can derive from him the better testimony of his intent, you shall run a certain course where, if you violently proceed against him, mistaking his purpose, it would make a great gap in your honor and shake in pieces the heart of his obedience. I dare pawn down my life for him that he hath wrote this to feel my affection to your honor, and to no further pretense of danger. Think you so? If your honor judge it meet, I will place you where you shall hear us confer of this, and by an ocular assurance have your satisfaction, and that without any further delay than this very evening. He cannot be such a monster. Nor is not sure. To his father that so tenderly and entirely loves him? Heaven and earth. Edmund, seek him out. Wind me into him, I pray you. Frame the business after your own wisdom. I would unstate myself to be in a due resolution. I will seek him, sir, presently. Convey the business I shall... F I sh convey the business I shall find means and acquaint you with all. These late eclipses in the sun and moon portend no good to us. Though the wisdom of nature can reason it thus and thus, yet nature finds itself scourged by the sequent effects. Love cools, friendship falls off, brothers divide, in cities mutinies, in countries discord, in palaces treason and the bond cracked twixt son and father. This villain of mine comes under the prediction, there's son against father. The king falls from bias of nature, there's father against child. We have seen the best of our time. Machinations, hollowness, treachery, and all ruinous disorders follows us disquietly to our graves. Find out this villain, Edmund. It shall lose thee nothing. Do it carefully. And the noble and true-hearted Kent banished his offense honesty. Oh, it is strange. Exit. <laughs> this is the excellent foppery of the world that when we are sick in fortune, often the surfeit of our own behavior, we make guilty of our disasters, the sun, the moon, and the stars, as, as if we were villains by necessity, fools by heavenly compulsion, knaves, thieves, and treachers by spherical predominance, drunkards, liars, and adulterers. 
and by an enforced obedience of planetary influence and all that we are evil in by a divine thrusting on an admiration invasion of whore master man to lay this to lay his goatish goatish disposition to the charge of a star my father compounded with my mother under a dragon's tail and my nativity was under ursa major so that it follows i am rough and lecherous tut i should have been that i am had the maidenliest star in the firmament firmament twinkled on my bastardizing enter edgar and pat he comes like the catastrophe of the old comedy my cue is villainous melancholy with a sigh like tom o bedlam oh these eclipses do portend these divisions how now, Brother Edmund? What serious contemplation are you in? I am thinking, brother, of a prediction I read on this other day. What should follow these eclipses? <laughs> Do you busy yourself about that? I promise you, the effects he writes of succeed unhappily, as unnaturalness between the child and the parent, death, dearth, Dissolution of ancient enmities, division in state, menaces of menaces and maledictions against kings and nobles, needless uh, defidences, banishment of friends, dissipation uh, disp of cohorts, nuptial breaches, and I know not what. <laughs> How long have you been a sectary astronomical? Come, come. When saw you my father last? Why, the night gone by. Spoke you with him? Aye, two hours together. Parted you in good terms. Found you no displeasure in him by word or countenance? None at all. <laughs> Bethinks yourself wherein you, you may have offended him. And at my entreaty, Forbear his presence till some little time hath qualified the heat of his displeasure, which at this instant is at this instance instance so rageth in him that with the the mischief of your person it would scarcely allay. Some villain hath done me wrong. That's my fear, I pray you. Have a continent forbearance till the spite of his rage goes slower. And as I say, retire with me to my lodging, where from whence I, I will fitly bring you to hear my Lord speak. Pray ye, go. There's my key. If you do stir abroad, go armed. Armed, brother. Brother, I advise you to, brother, I advise you to do the best. Go armed. I am no honest man. If, if, if there be any good meaning towards you, I have told you what I have seen and heard, but faintly nothing like the image and horror of it. Pray you, away. Shall I hear from you anon? I do serve you in this business. Exit Edgar. A credulous father. 
and the brother noble, whose nature is so far from doing harm that he suspects none, on whose foolish honesty my practices ride easy. I see the business. Let me, if not by birth, have lands by wit. All's with me meet that I can fashion fit. Exit. Scene three, the Duke of Albany's palace enter Goneril and Oswald, her steward. Did my father strike my gentleman for chiding of his fool? Yes, madam. Ah. By day and night he wrongs me. Every hour he flashes into one gross crime or other that sets us all at odds. I'll not endure it. His knights grow riotous and himself upbraids us on every trifle. When he returns from hunting, I will not speak with him. Say I am sick. If you come slack of former services, you shall do well. The fault of it, I'll answer. He's coming, madam. I hear him. Horns within. Put on what weary negligence you please, you and your fellows. I'll have it come to question. If he dislike it, let him to our sister, whose mind and mine I know in that are one, not to be overruled. Idle old man, but still would manage those authorities that he hath given away. Now by my life, old fools are babes again, and must be used with checks as flatteries when they are seen abused. Remember what I tell you. Well, madam. And let his knights have colder looks among you. What grows of it no matter? Advise your fellow so. I would breed from hence occasions, and I shall that I may speak. I'll write straight to my sister to hold my very course. Prepare for dinner. Exempt. Scene four, a hall in the same. Enter Kent, disguised. If but as well I other accents borrow that can my speech diffuse, my good intent may carry through itself to that full issue for which I raised my likeness. Now, banished Kent, if thou canst serve where thou dost stand condemned, so may it come, thy master, whom thou lovest, shall find thee full of labors. Horns within, enter King Lear, knights and attendants. Let me not say a jot for dinner. Go, get it ready. Exit an attendant. How now? What art thou? A man, sir. What dost thou profess? What wouldst thou with us? I do profess to be no less than I seem. To serve him truly, that will put me in trust. To love him, that is honest. To converse with him that is wise and says little. To fear judgment. To fight when I cannot choose. And to eat no fish. What art thou? A very honest-hearted fellow, and as poor as the king. If thou beest as poor for a subject as he's for a king, thou art poor enough. <laughs> what wouldst thou? Service. Who wouldst thou serve? You. Dost thou know me, fellow? No, sir. But you have that in your countenance that I would fain call master. What's that? Authority. What? Services canst thou do? Well, I can keep honest counsel. Ride, run, mar a curious tale in telling it, and deliver a plain message bluntly. That which ordinary men are fit for, I am qualified in, and the best of me is diligence. How, how old art thou? 
Oh, not so young, sir, to love a woman for singing, nor so old to dote on her for anything. I have years on my back, 48. Follow me, thou shalt serve me. If I like to eat no worse after dinner, I will not part from thee yet. Dinner, <laughs> ho, dinner! Where's my knave, my fool? Go you, and call my fool hither. Exit an attendant, enter Oswald. You, you, Sarah, where's my daughter? So please you. Exit. What says the fellow there? Go, call the cloth pole back. Exit and Where's exit. my fool? Oh, I think the world's asleep. Re-enter night. How now, where, where, where's that mongrel? <laughs> he says, my lord, your daughter is not well. Why came not the slave back to me when I called him? Sir, he answered me in the roundest manner. He would not. He, he would not? My lord, I know not what the matter is. But to my judgment, your highness is not entertained with that ceremonious affection as you were wont. There's a great abatement of kindness appears as well in the general dependence, as in the duke himself also, and your daughter. Ah, sayest thou so? I beseech you, pardon me, my lord, if I be mistaken, for my duty cannot be silent when I think your highness wronged. Thou but rememberest me of mine own conception. I have perceived a most faint neglect of late, which I have rather blamed as mine own jealous curiosity than as a very pretense and purpose of unkindness. I will look further into it. But where's my fool? I've not seen him these two days. Since my young lady's gone and in, going into France, sir, the fool hath much pined away. No more of that. I've noted it well. Go you and tell my daughter I would speak with her. Exit in attendance. Go you, call hither my fool. Exit in attendant. Re-enter Oswald. Oh, you, sir, you. Come you hither, sir. Who am I, sir? My lady's father. My lady's father? My lord's knave, you horse-son dog! You slave, you cur! I am none of these, my lord. I beseech your pardon. Do you bandy looks with me, you rascal? Strike I'm not struck, my lord. Nor trip neither, you base football player. Tripping up his heels. Ha! <laughs> ha! I thank thee, fellow. Thou serves me, and I love thee. Come, sir, arise. Away. I'll teach you differences. Away. Away. If you will measure your lover's length again, tarry. But away. Go to. Have your wisdom. So. Pushes Oswald out. <laughs> now, my friendly knave, I thank thee. There's earnest of thy service. Giving Kent money. Enter fool. Oh, let me hire him too. Here's my coxcomb. And offering Kent his cap. How now, my pretty knave, how dost thou? Sirrah, your best take, my coxcomb. Why, fool? Why? for taking one's part that's out of favor. Nay, and thou canst not smile as the wind sits. Thou'lt catch a cold shortly. There, take my coxcomb. Why, this fellow has banished two on's daughters and did the third a blessing against his will. If thou follow him, thou must needs wear my coxcomb. How now, uncle? 
Would I have two coxcombs and two daughters? Why, my boy? If I gave them all my living, I'd keep my coxcombs myself. There's mine. Beg another of thy daughters. Take heed, Sarah, the whip. Oh, truth's a dog must be kennel. He must be whipped out when Lady the Brach may stand by the fire and stink. A pestilent gall to me. Sirrah, I'll teach thee a speech. Do. Of market, uncle. <coughs> Have more than thou showest. Speak less than thou knowest. Lend less than thou owest. Ride more than thou goest. Learn more than thou throwest. Set less than thou throwest. Leave thy drink and thy whore and keep in a door, and thou shalt have more than two tents to a score. This is nothing, fool. Then tis like the breath of an unfeed lawyer. You gave me nothing for it. Can you make no use of nothing, Nuncle? Oh, I know, boy. Nothing can be made of nothing. Mm. Prithee, tell him so much the rent of his land comes to, he will not believe a fool. A bitter fool. Oh, dost thou know the difference, my boy? Between a bitter fool and a sweet fool? <sighs> no, lad, teach me. Oh, that lord that counseled thee to give away thy land, come, place him here with me, by me. Do thou for him stand? The sweet and bitter fool were presently appear. The one in motley here, the other found out there. Dost thou call me fool, boy? All thy other titles thou hast given away that thou wast born with. This is not altogether fool, my lord. <clears throat> no faith, lords and great men will not let me. If I had a monopoly out, they would have part on it, oh, and ladies too. They will not let me have all the fool to myself. They'll be snatching. Oh, God. Give me an egg, Nuncle. Oh, and I'll give thee two crowns. What two crowns shall they be? <laughs> Why, after I have cut the egg in the middle and eat up the meat, the two crowns of the egg, <laughs> when thou clovest thy crown in the middle and gavest away both parts, thou borest thy ass on the back o'er the dirt. Thou hadst little wit in thy bald crown when thou gavest thy golden one away. If I speak like myself in this, let him be whipped that find it so. Fools had ne'er less wit in a year, for wise men are grown foppish. They know not how their wits to wear, their manners are so apish. When were you wont to be so full of song, Sarah? I have used it, Nuncle, ever since thou madest thy daughters thy mothers, when thou gavest them the rod and put down thine own breeches. For a sudden joy did weep, and I for sorrow sung that such a king should play Bo Peep and the fools go among. Prithee, uncle, keep a schoolmaster that can teach thy fool to lie. I would fain learn to lie. 
and you lie, Sarah, will have you whipped. I marvel what kin thou and thy daughters are. They'll have me whipped for speaking true. Thou'lt have me whipped for lying. And sometimes I am whipped for holding my peace. <laughs> I'd rather be any kind of thing than a fool. And yet, I would not be thee, uncle. Thou hast paired thy wit of both sides and left nothing in the middle. Here comes one of the pairings. Enter Goneril. Well, how now, daughter? What makes that frontlet on? I think you are too much of late at the frown. Oh, thou wast a pretty fellow, and thou hadst no need to care for her frowning. Now thou art an oh without a figure. I'm better than thou art now. I am a fool. Thou art nothing. To Goneril. Yes, forsooth, I will hold my tongue. So your face bids me, though you say nothing. Mum, mum, he that keeps no crust no crumb, weary of all, shall want some. Pointing to oh. King Lear. That's a shield peas card. Not only, sir, this your all-licensed fool, but other of your insolent retinue do hourly carp and quarrel breaking forth in rank, and not to be endured riots. Sir, I had thought, by making this well known unto you, to have found a safe redress. But now grow fearful, by what yourself too late have spoke and done, that you protect this course, and put it on by your allowance, which if you should, the fault would not scape censure, nor the redresses sleep, which in the tender of a wholesome wheel might in their working do you that offense, which else were shame, that then necessity will call discreet proceeding. For you trown, uncle, the hedge sparrow fed the cuckoo so long that it's had it head bit off by it young. So out went the candle and we were left darkling. Are you our daughter? Come, sir. I would you would make use of that good wisdom, whereof I know you are wrought, and put away these dispositions that of late transform you from what you rightly are. <clears throat> May not an ass know when the cart draws the course? Whoop! Jug! I love thee. Does any here know me? This is not Lear. Does Lear walk thus, speak thus, where are his eyes? Either his notion weakens, his discernings are lethargied, huh? Waking? Tis not so. Who is it that could tell me who I am? Um, Lear's shadow? I would learn that. But by the marks of sovereignty, knowledge, and reason, I should be false persuaded. I had daughters. Which they will make an obedient father. Your name, fair gentlewoman. This admiration, sir, is much with the savor of your other new pranks. I do beseech you to understand my purposes aright. As you are old and reverend, you should be wise. Here do you keep a hundred knights and squires, men so disordered, so debauched and bold, that this our court, infected with their manners, shows like a riotous inn. Epicurism and lust make it more like a tavern or a brothel than a graced palace. The shame itself does speak for instant remedy. Be then desired by her that else will take the thing she begs a little 
to disquantity your train, and the remainder that shall still depend to be such men as may besort your age and know themselves and you. Darkness and devils, sat on my horses, call my train together. Degenerate bastard, I'll not trouble thee. Yet have I left a daughter. You strike my people, and your disordered rabble makes servants of their betters. Enter Albany. Woe that too late repents. Oh, sir, are you come? Is it your will? Speak, sir. Prepare my horses. Ingratitude, thou marble-hearted fiend, more hideous when thou show'st thee in a child than the sea monster. Hey, sir, be patient. Detested kite, thou liest. My train are men of choice and rarest parts that all particulars of duty know and in the most exact regard support the worships of their name. Oh, most small fault. How ugly didst thou in Cordelia show, which like an engine wrenched my frame of nature from the fixed place, drew from my heart all love and added to the gall. Oh, Lear, 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 beat at this gate that let thy folly in and thy dear judgment out. Go, go, my people. My lord, I am guiltless, as I am ignorant of what hath moved you. It may be so, my lord. Here, nature. Here, dear goddess. Here, suspend thy purpose. If thou didst intend to make this creature fruitful, into her womb convey sterility, dry up in her the organs of increase, and from her derogate body never spring a babe to honor her. If she must teem, create her child of spleen that it may live and be a thwart, disnatured torment to her. Let it stamp wrinkles in her brow of youth with cadent tears fret channels in her cheeks. Turn all her mother's pains and benefits to laughter and contempt that she may feel how sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child. Away! Away! Exit. Now, gods that we adore, whereof comes this? Never afflict yourself to know the cause, but let his disposition have that scope that dotage gives it. Re-enter King Lear. What? Fifty of my followers at a club? Within a fortnight? What's the matter, sir? A tezzy. To Goneril. Life and death, I am ashamed that thou hast power to shake my manhood thus that these hot tears which break from me perforce should make thee worth some blasts and fogs upon thee. The attended woundings of a father's curse pierce every sense about me. Old fond eyes, beweep this cause again, I'll pluck you out and cast you with the waters that you loose to temper clay. It has come to this. Let it be so. Yet have I left a daughter who I am sure is kind and comfortable when she shall hear this of thee with her nails. She'll flay thy wolvish visage. Thou shalt find that I'll resume the shape which thou dost think I have cast off forever. Thou shalt, I warrant thee. 
Do you mark that, my lord? I cannot be so partial, Goneril, to the great love I bear you. I pray you content. What, Oswald, how? The fool. You, sir, more mm. knave than fool, after your master. Nuncleer, mm. Nuncleer, tarry and take the fool with thee. A fox, when one has caught her, and such a daughter, should sure to the slaughter. If my cap would buy a halter, so the fool follows after. Exit. This man hath had good counsel, a hundred knights. Tis politic and safe to let him keep at point a hundred knights. Yes, that, on every dream, each buzz, each fancy, each complaint, dislike, he may engard his dotage with their powers and hold our lives in mercy. Oswald, I say. Well, you may fear too far. Safer than trust too far. Let me still take away the harms I fear, not fear still to be taken. I know his heart. What he hath uttered, I have writ my sister. If she sustain him and his hundred knights, when I have showed none fitness. Ho, now Oswald. What, have you writ that letter to my sister? Yes, madam. Take you some company and away to horse. Inform her full of my particular fear, and thereto add such reasons of your own as may compact it more. Get you gone and hasten your return. Exit Oswald. No, no, my lord. This milky gentleness and course of yours, though I condemn not, yet under pardon, you are much more a task for want of wisdom than praise for harmful mildness. How far your eyes may pierce, I cannot tell. Striving to better oft we mar what's well. Nay, then. Well, well, the event. Exit. Scene five, court before the same. Enter King Lear, Kent, and Fool. Go ye before to Gloucester with these letters. Acquaint my daughter no further with anything you know that comes from her demand out of the letter. If your diligence be not speedy, I shall be there afore you. I will not sleep, my lord, till I have delivered your letter. Exit. If a man's brains were in his heels, were not in danger of kiwis? Aye, boy. Then I prithee be merry, thy wit shall ne'er go slipshod. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> mm. Shalt see thy other daughter will use thee kindly? For though she's as like this as a crab's like an apple, yet I can tell what I can tell. Well, what canst thou tell, my boy? She will taste as like this as a crab does to a crab. Thou canst tell why one's nose stands in the middle of one's face? No. Why, to keep one's eyes of either side's nose. That what a man cannot smell out, he may spy into. I did her wrong. Canst tell how an oyster makes his shell? No. Nor I neither, but I can tell why a snail has a house. Why? Why, to put his head in. Not to give it away to his daughters and leave his horns without a case. I will forget my nature. So kind a father. Be my horses ready. Thy asses are gone about him. Uh, the re reason why the seven stars are no more than seven is a pretty reason. Because they are not eight. Yes, indeed. Ah. 
Thou wouldst make a good fool. Take it again perforce. Monster ingratitude. If thou wert my fool, uncle, I'd have had thee beaten for being old before thy time. How's that? Thou shouldst not have been old till thou hadst been wise. Oh, let me not be mad. Not mad. Sweet heaven. Keep me in temper, I would not be mad. Dear gentleman. How now are my horses ready? Ready, my lord. Come, boy. She that's a maid now and laughs at my departure shall not be a maid long, unless things be cut shorter. Exeunt. Act two, scene one, Gloucester's castle. Enter Edmund and Curin meets him. Save thee, Curin. And you, sir? I have been with your father and given him notice that the Duke of Cornwall and Regan, his duchess, will be here with him this night. How comes that? Nay, I know not. You have heard of the news abroad. I mean the whispered ones, for they are yet but ear-kissing arguments. Not, I pray you, what are they? Have you heard of no likely wars toward twixt the Dukes of Cornwall and Albany? Not a word. You may do then in time. Fare you well, sir. Exit. The Duke be here tonight. The better, best. This weaves itself perforce into my business. My father had set guard to take my And I have one thing of a queasy question which I must act. Briefness and fortune work. Brother, a word. Descend. Brother, I say. Enter Edgar. My father watches. Oh, sir, fly this place. Intelligence is given where you are hid. You have now the good advantage of the night. Have you not spoken against the Duke of Cornwall? He's coming hither, now in the night, in the haste, and Regan with him. Have you nothing said upon his party against the Duke of Albany? Advise yourself. I'm sure on't not a word. I hear my father come and pardon me. In cunning, I must draw my sword upon you. Draw, seem to defend yourself. Now quit you well. Yield. Come before my father. Light. Oh, here. Fly, brother. Torches. Torches. So farewell. Exit Edgar. Some blonde, some blood drawn on me would beget opinion. Wounds his arm. <sighs> of my more fierce endeavor. I have seen drunkards do more than this in sport. Father, father, stop, stop, no help. Enter Gloucester and servants with torches. Now, Edmund, where's the villain? Here stood he in the dark, his sharp sword out, mumbling of wicked charms, conjuring the moon to stand auspicious mistress. But where is he? Look, sir, I bleed. Where is the villain, Edmund? Fled this way, sir when by no means he could... Pursue him! Ho! Oh, go after! Exit some by no means what? Persuade me to murder your lordship. <gasps> but that I told him the revenging gods gainst parasite did all their thunders bend, spoke with how manifold and strong a bond the child was bound to the father. Sir, in fine seeing how loathly a pup 
how loathly opposite I stood to his unnatural purpose. In fell motion with his prepared sword, he charged home my unprovided body, lanced mine arm. But when, but when he saw my best alarmed spirit, bold in the quarrel's right, roused to the encounter of whether gasped by the noise I made, for sudden, suddenly he fell, he fled. Let him fly far. Not in this land should he remain uncaught, and found dispatch. The noble duke, my master, my worthy arch and patron, comes tonight. By his authority, I will proclaim it. That he which finds shall deserve our thanks. Beneath the stake, he that conceals him, death. When I dissuaded him from his intent, and found him pite to do it, with cursed speech, I threatened to discover him. He replied, thou unpossessing bastard, dost thou think if I would stand against thee, would the reposal of any trust, virtue, or worth in thee make thy word faith? No. What I should deny, as this I would, I, though, though, uh, though thou didst produce my very character, I'll turn it all to thy suggestion, plot, and damned practice, that thou must make a dullard of the world, world, if thou not thought the profit of my death were very pregnant and potential spurs to make thee seek it. Strong and fastened villain, would he deny his letter? I never got him. Okay. Hark, the Duke's trumpets. I know not why he comes. All ports I'll bar, the villain shall not scape. The Duke must grant me that. Besides, his picture I will send far and near that all the kingdom may have the due note of him. And of my land, loyal and natural boy, I'll work the means to make thee capable. Peter Cornwall, Regan, and attendants. How now, my noble friend? Since I came hither, was I can call, but now I have strange, I've heard strange news. If it be true, all vengeance comes too short, which can pursue the offender. How dost, my lord? Oh, madam, my old heart is cracked, it's cracked. What? Did my father's godson seek your life? He, whom my father named, your Edgar? Oh, lady, lady, shame would have it hid. Was he not companion with the riotous knights that tend upon my father? Oh, I know not, madam. Oh, tis too bad, too bad. Yes, madam. He was of that consort. No marvel, then, though he were ill-affected. Tis they have put him on the old man's death. To have the expanse and waste of his revenue. I'll have this present evening from my sister been well informed of them, and with such cautions that if they come to sojourn at my house, I'll not be there. Nor I assure you, Regan. Edmund, I hear that you have sworn your father a childlike office. It was my duty, sir. Oh, he did bray his practice and received this hurt, you see, striving to apprehend him. Is he pursued? Aye, my good lord. If he be taken, he shall never more be feared of doing harm. Make your own purpose, how in my strength you please. For you, Edmund, 
whose virtue and obedience doth this instant so much commend itself, you shall be ours. Natures of such deep trust we shall much need. You we first seize on. I shall serve you, sir, truly, however else. For him I thank your grace. You know not why he came to visit you. Thus out of season, threading dark-eyed night, occasions, noble Gloucester, of some poise, wherein we must have use of your advice. Our father, he hath writ, so hath our sister, of differences, which I least thought it fit to answer from our house. The several messengers from hence attend dispatch. Our good old friend lay comforts to your bosom and bestow your needful counsel to our business, which craves the instant use. I serve you, madam. Your graces are right welcome. Exempt. Scene two before Gloucester's castle. Enter Kent and Oswald at severally. Good dawning to thee, friend. Art thou of this house? Hi. Where may we set our horses? To the mire. Prithee, if thou lovest me, tell me. <laughs> I love thee not. Why, then I care not for thee. If I had thee in Lipsbury Pinfold, I would make thee care for me. Why dost thou use me thus? I know thee not. Fellow, I know thee. What dost thou know me for? A knave, a rascal, an eater of broken meats, a base, proud, shallow, beggarly, three-suited, hundred-pound, filthy, worsted stocking knave, a lily-livered, action-taking knave, a whoresome, glass-gazing, super-serviceable, finical rogue, one trunk inheritance slave, one that would be a bod in way of good service and art nothing but the composition of a knave, beggar, coward, pander, and the son and heir of a mongrel bitch. One whom I would beat into clamorous whining if thou deniest the least syllable of thy addition. Why, what a monstrous fellow art thou thus to rail on one that neither know, is neither known of thee nor knows thee. What a brazen-faced varlet art thou to deny thou knowest me. Is it two days ago since I tripped up thy heels and beat thee before the king? Draw, you rogue. For though it be night, yet the moon shines. I'll make a sop of the moonshine of you. Draw, you horse and cullion, barber monger. Draw. Away, I have nothing to do with thee. Draw, you rascal. You come with letters against the king and take vanity the puppet's part against the royalty of our father. Draw, you rogue. Or also carbon out of your shanks. Draw, you rascal. Come your ways. Help! Oh! Murder! Help! Strike, you slave! Stand, rogue, stand! You need slave! Strike! Help! Oh! Murder! Murder! Enter Edmund with his rapier drawn, Cornwall, Regan, Gloucester, and servants. How now? What's the matter? With you, Goodman boy, and you please come. Off bless you. Come on, young master. Weapons! Arms! What's the matter here? Cornwall. Oh, sorry, that's me. Jesus Christ. Keep peace upon your lives. He died that strikes again. What is the matter? The messengers from our sister and the king. What is your difference? <clears throat> Speak. I am scarce in breath, my lord. No marvel. You have so bestirred your valor. You cowardly rascal. Nature disclaims in thee. A tailor made thee. 
Thou art a strange fellow, a tailor make a man. Aye, a tailor, sir. A stone cutter or painter could not have made him so ill, though he had been but two years, two hours in the trade. Speak yet, how grew your quarrel? This ancient ruffian, sir, whose life I have spared at suit of his gray beard. Thou horse and Zed! Thou unnecessary letter. My lord, if you will give me leave, I will tread this unbolted villain into mortar and daub the wall of Jake's with him. Spare my gray beard, you wagtail. Isra, you beastly knave. Know you no reverence? Yes, sir. But anger hath a privilege. Why art thou angry? That such a slave as this should wear a sword who wears no honesty. Such smiling rogues as these, like rats, oft bite the holy cords atwain, which are too entrenched tamus. Smooth every passion that in the natures of their lords rebel, bring oil to fire, snow to their colder moods, renege, affirm, and turn their halcyon beaks with every gale and berry of their masters, knowing not like dogs, but following. A plague upon your epileptic visage. But smile you my speeches as I were a fool. Goose, if I had you upon Serum Plain, I'd drive you cackling home to Camelot. Why art thou mad, old fellow? How fell you out? Say that. No contraries hold more antipathy than I and such a knave. Why dost thou call him a knave? What's his offense? His countenance likes me not. <laughs> what more perchance does mine, nor his nor hers. Sir, tis my occupation to be plain. I have seen better faces in my time than stands on any shoulder that I see before me at this instant. This is some fellow who, having been praised for bluntness, doth affect a saucy roughness and constrains the garb quite from his nature. He cannot flatter he an honest mind and plain. He must speak truth, and they will take it so, if not, he's plain. These kinds of knaves I know, which in this plainness harbor more craft and more corrupter ends than twenty silly ducking observants that stretch their duties nicely. Sir, in good sooth, in sincere verity, under the allowance of your great aspect, whose influence, like the wreath of radiant fire on flickering Phoebus' front. What meanst by this? To go out in my dialect, would you discommend so much? I know, sir, I am no flatterer. He that beguiled you in a plain accent was a plain knave, which for my part, I will not be, though I should win your displeasure to entreat me to it. What was the offense you gave him? I never gave him any. <laughs> Please, Mr. strike at me upon his misconstruction when he, conjunct and flattering his displeasure, tripped me from behind being down, insulted, railed, and put upon him such a deal of man that worthied him, got praises of the king for him attempting who was, uh, that worthied him, got praises of the king for him attempting who was self-subdued, and in the flesh of this dread exploit, drew on fear again. None of these rogues and cowards, but Ajax is their fool. Fetch forth the stocks. You stubborn, ancient knave, you reverend braggart, we'll teach you. Sir, I am too old to learn. Call not your stocks for me. I serve the king, on whose employment I was sent to you. You shall do small respect, show too bold malice against the grace and person of my master, stalking his messenger. 
watch forth the stocks as I have life and honor. There shall he sit till noon. Till noon. Till night, my lord, and all night too. <laughs> Why, madam, if I were your father's dog, you should not use me so. Sir, being his knave, I will. This is a fellow of the same, self-same color our sister speaks of. Come, bring away the stocks. Stocks brought out. Let me beseech your grace not to do so. His fault is much, and the good king, his master, will check him for it. Your purposed low correction is such as basest and contemptest wretches for pilferings and most common trespasses are punished with. The king must take it ill that he is so slightly valued in his messenger should have him thus restrained. I'll answer that. My sister may receive it much more worse. To have her gentleman abused, assaulted for following her affairs, put in his legs. And is put in the stocks. Come, my good lord, away. Except all but Gloucester and Kent. I'm sorry for thee, friend. It's the Duke's pleasure, whose disposition all the world knows will not be rubbed nor stopped. Pray do not, sir. I have watched and travelled hard. Some time I shall sleep out. The rest, I'll whistle. A good man's fortune may grow out at heels. Give you good morrow. The Duke's to blame in this to be ill-taken. Exit. The king that must approve the common saw, thou out of heaven's benediction comest to the warm sun. Approach, thou beacon, to this under-globe, that by thy comfortable beams I may peruse this letter. Nothing almost sees miracles but misery. I know tis from Cordelia who hath most fortunately been informed of my obscured course and shall find time from this enormous state seeking to give losses their remedies. All weary and o'erwatched, take vantage, heavy eyes, not to behold this shameful lodging. Fortune, good night. Smile once more. Turn my wheel. Sleeps. Scene three, a wood, enter Edgar. I heard myself proclaimed, and by the happy hollow of a tree escaped the hunt. No port is free, no place that guard and most unusual vigilance that does not attend my taking. Well, as I may escape, I will preserve myself. And then he thought to take the basest and most poorest shape brought near to beast. That ever penury and contempt of man brought near to beast. My face I'll grime with filth, Blanket my loins, elf, all my hair in knots, and with presented nakedness outface the winds and persecutions of the sky. The country gives me proof and precedent of bedlam beggars, who with roaring voices strike in their bound and mortified bare arms, pins, wooden, pricks, nails, sprigs of rosemary, and with this horrible object from low farms, poor pelting villages, sleep, coats and mills, sometime with lunatic bands, sometime with prayers enforce their charity. Uh, poor Turley God, poor Tom, that's something yet. Edgar, I nothing am. Exit. Scene four before Gloucester's castle, Kent in the stocks, enter King Lear, fool and gentleman. <sighs> It is strange that they should so depart from home and not send back my messenger. 
as I learned the night before, there was no purpose in them of this remove. Hail to thee, noble master. Ah! Makes thou this shame thy pastime? No, my lord. <laughs> he wears cruel garters. Oh, horses are tied by the heads, dogs and bears by the necks, monkeys by the loins, and men by the legs. When a man's over lusty at legs, then he wears wooden nether stocks. Hmm? But he that hath so much thy place mistook to set thee here. It is both he and she, your son and daughter. No. Yes. No, I say. I say ye. No, no, they would not. Yes, they have. By Jupiter, I swear no. By Juno, I swear aye. They durst not do it. They could not, would not do it. Tis worse than murder to do upon respect such violent outrage. Resolve me with all modest haste which way thou mightst deserve or they impose this usage coming from us. My lord, when at their home, I did commend your highness letters to them. Ere I was risen from the place that showed my duty kneeling, came there a reeking post, stewed in his haste, half breathless, panting forth from Goneril, his mistress' salutations. Delivered letters, spite of intermission, which presently they read, on whose contents they summoned up their miney, straight took horse, commanded me to follow and attend the leisure of their answer. Gave me cold looks, and meeting here the other messenger, whose welcome I perceived had poisoned mine, being the very fellow that of late displayed so saucily against your highness, having more man than wit about me, drew. He raised the house with loud and coward craze. Your son and daughter found this trespass worth the shame, which here it suffers. Winter's not gone yet, if the wild geese fly that way. Fathers that wear rags do make their children blind, but fathers that bear bags shall see their children kind. Fortune, that errant whore, ne'er did turns the keys to the poor. But for all this, thou shalt have as many dollars for thy daughters as thou canst tell in a year. Oh, how this mother swells up toward my heart. Hysterical passio, down, thou climbing sorrow. Thy elements below. Where is this daughter? With the Earl, sir, here within. Follow me not. Stay here. Exit. May you know more offense but what you speak of? None. How chance the king comes with so small a train? And thou hadst been set in the stocks for that question. Thou hadst well deserved it. Why, fool? We'll set thee to school to an ant, to teach the, there's no laboring in the winter. All that follow their noses are led by their eyes, but blind men. And there's not a nose among twenty that can smell him that's stinking. Let go thy hold and a great wheel runs down a hill, lest it break thy neck with following it. But the great one that goes up the hill, let him draw thee after. Then a wise man gives thee better counsel Give mine again. I would not have none but knaves follow it, since a fool gives it. <clears throat> that, sir, 
which serves and seeks for gain and follows but for form will pack when it begins to rain and leave thee in the storm. But I will tarry. The fool will stay and let the wise man flee. The knave turns fool that runs away. The fool no knave, perdee. Where he learned you this fool? Not in the stocks, fool. Re-enter King Lear with Gloucester. Deny to speak to me. They are sick, they are weary, they've traveled all night. Mere fetches the images of revolt and flying off. Fetch me a better answer. My dear Lord, you know the fiery quality of the Duke, how unremovable and fixed he is in his own course. Vengeance, plague, death, confusion. Fiery? What quality? Why, Gloucester, Gloucester. I'd speak with the Duke of Cornwall and his wife. Well, my good Lord, I have informed them so. Informed them? Dost thou understand me, man? I, my good lord. The king would speak with Cornwall. The dear father would with his daughter speak. Commands her service. Are they informed of this? My breath and blood. Fiery! The fiery duke. Tell the hot duke that... No, but not yet. It may be he is not well. Infirmity doth still neglect all office whereto our health is bound. We are not ourselves when nature being oppressed commands the mind to suffer with the body. I'll forbear and am fallen out with my more headier will to take this indisposed and sickly fit for the sound man. Death on my stake, wherefore should he sit here? This act persuades me that this remotion of the Duke and her is practice only. Give me my servant forth, go. Tell the Duke and his wife I'd speak with them. Now, presently, bid them come forth and hear me or at their chamber door I'll beat the drum till it cries sleep to death. I would have all well betwixt you. Exit. Oh, me, my heart, my rising heart, but down. Cry to it, Nuncle, as the Cockney did to the eels when she put him in the paste alive. She kidnapped him of uh, the coxcombs with a stick and cried, Down, wantons, down! Twas her brother that, in pure kindness to his horse, buttered his hay. Dr. Cornwall, Regan, Gloucester, and servants. Good morrow to you both. Hail to your grace. Kent is set at liberty. I am glad to see your highness. Regan. I think you are. I know what reason I have to think so. If thou shouldst not be glad, I would divorce me from thy mother's tomb, sepulchering and adulteress. Oh, are you free? Some other time for that. Beloved Regan, thy sister's not. Oh, Regan, she hath tied, sharp toothed unkindness like a vulture here. I can scarce speak to thee, not, not believe, with how depraved a quality of Regan. I pray you, sir, take patience. I have hope. You less know how to value her desert than she to scant her duty. Hey, ha, ha, how's that? 
I cannot think my sister in the least would fail her obligation. If, sir, perchance, she have restrained the riots of your followers, tis on such ground and to such wholesome end as clears her from all blame. My curses on her! Oh, sir, you are old. Nature in you stands on the very verge of her confine. You should be ruled and led by some discretion that discerns your state better than you yourself. Therefore, I pray you that to our sister you do make return. It's, say you have wronged her, sir. Ask her forgiveness? You would mark how this becomes the house. Dear daughter, I confess that I am old. Age is unnecessary. On my knees I beg that you'll vouchsafe me raiment, bed, and food. Good sir, no more. These are unsightly tricks. Return you to my sister. Never, Regan! She hath abated me of half my train, looked black upon me, struck me with her tongue, most serpent-like upon the very heart. All the stored vengeances of heaven fall on her ingrateful top. Strike her young bones, you taking airs, with lameness. Fie, sir, fie. You nimble lightnings dart your blinding flames into her scornful eyes. Infect her beauty, you fensot fogs, drawn by the powerful sun to blast her pride. Oh, the blessed gods, so will you wish on me when the rash mood is on. No, Regan, thou shalt never have my curse. Thy tender hafted nature shall not give thee or to harshness. Her eyes are fierce, but thine. To comfort and not burn, tis not in thee. To grudge my pleasures, to cut off my train, to bandy hasty words, to scant my sizes. And in conclusion, to oppose the bolt against my coming in, thou knowest better the offices of nature, bond of childhood, effects of courtesy, dues of gratitude. Thy half of the kingdom, thou hast not forgot wherein I thee endowed. Good, sir, to the purpose. Who put my man in the stocks? What trumpet's that? I know it, my sisters. This approves her letter that she would soon be here. Is your lady come? Enter Oswald. This is the slave whose easy borrowed pride dwells in the fickle grace of her he follows. Out, violet from my sight! What means your grace? Who stalked my servant? Regan, I have good hope thou didst not know who comes here. Oh, heavens. Enter Goneril. If you do love old men, if your sweet sway allow obedience, if yourselves are old, make it your cause. Send down and take my part. Art not ashamed to look upon this beard? Oh, Regan, will you take her by the hand? Why not by the hand, sir? How have I offended? Holds not offence that indiscretion finds and dotage terms so. Oh, sides, you are too tough. 
with you yet hold? How came my man to the stocks? I set him there, sir. But his own disorders deserved much less advancement. You? Did you? I pray you, father, being weak seems so. If till the expiration of your month, you will return and sojourn with my sister, dismissing half your train. Come then to me. I am now from home and out of that provision which shall be needful for your entertainment. Return to her and fifty men dismissed. No, rather, I abjure all roofs and choose to wage against the enmity of the air, to be a comrade with the wolf and owl, necessity's sharp pinch. Return with her? By the hot-blooded France that dowerless took our youngest born, I could as well be brought to knee his throne and squire like pension beg to keep base life afoot. Return with her? Persuade me rather to be slave and subject to this detested groom. Pointing at your choice, sir. My pretty daughter, do not make me mad. I will not trouble thee, my child. Farewell. We'll no more meet, no more see one another. But yet thou art my flesh, my blood, my daughter. Or rather a disease that's in my blood, which I must needs call mine. Thou art a boil, a plague sore, or embossed carbuncle in my corrupted blood. But I'll not chide thee. Let shame come when it will, I do not call it. I do not bid the thunder-bearer shoot nor tell tales of thee to high-judging Jove. Men, when thou canst be better at thy leisure, I can be patient, I can stay with Regan, I and my hundred knights. Not altogether so. I looked not for you yet, nor am I provided for your fit welcome. Give ear, sir, to my sister, for those that mingle reason with your passion? Must she be content to think you old? And so, but she knows what she does. Is this well spoken? I dare avouch it, sir. What, 50 followers? It's not well. What should you need of more? Yea, or so many. Sith that both charge and danger speak against so great a number? How, in one house, should many people under two commands hold amnity? Tis hard, almost impossible. Why might not you, my lord, receive attendance from those that she calls servants or from mine? Why not, my lord? If then they chanced to slack you, we would control them. If you would come to me, for now I spy a danger, I entreat you to bring but five and twenty to no more. Will I give place or notice? I gave you all. <laughs> and in good time, you gave it. Made you my guardians, my depositaries, but kept a reservation to be followed with such a number what must i choose must i come to you with 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 five and twenty regan said you so and speak again my lord 
No more with me. Those wicked creatures yet do look well favored when others are more wicked, not being the worst, stands in some rank of praise. I'll go with thee. Thy fifty yet doth double five and twenty, thou art twice her love. Hear me, my lord. What need you five and twenty? Ten or five to follow in a house where twice so many have a command to tend you? What need one? No reason not for need. Our basest beggars are in the poorest things superfluous. Allah not nature, more than nature needs. Man's life is cheap as beasts. Thou art a lady. If only to go warm were gorgeous, why, nature needs not what thou gorgeous wearest, which scarcely keeps thee warm, but for true need. You heavens, give me that patience. Patience I need! You see me here, you gods, a poor old man, as full of grief as age, wretched in both. If it be you that stirs these daughters' hearts against their father, fool me not so much to bear it tamely. Touch me with righteous anger, and let not women's weapons water drop stain my man's cheeks. No, you unnatural hags! I will have such revenges on you both that all the world shall I will do such things what they are yet I, I know not what they shall be the terrors of the earth you think I'll weep no I'll not weep. I have full cause of weeping, but this heart shall break into a hundred thousand flaws, or ere I'll weep. Oh, fool, I shall go mad. Exit King Lear, Gloucester, Kent, and Fool, Storm and Tempest. Let us withdraw. Toby a storm. The house is little. The old man and his people cannot be well bestowed. It's his own blame. Hath put himself for rest and must needs taste his folly. For his particular, I'll receive him gladly, but not one follower. So am I purposed. Where is my lord of Gloucester? Followed the old man forth. He is returned. Re-enter Gloucester. The king is in high rage. Whither is he going? He calls to horse, but will I know not whither. It's best to give him way. He leads himself. My lord, entreat him by no means to stay. Alack, the night comes on, and the bleak winds do sorely ruffle for many miles about there's scarce a bush. Oh, sir, to willful men. The injuries that they themselves procure must be their schoolmasters. Shut up your doors. He is attended with a desperate train, and what they may incense him to 
being apt to have his ear abused. Wisdom bids fear. Shut up your doors, my lord. Tis a wild night. My Regan counsels well. Come out of the storm. Exeunt. Act three, scene one, a heath. Storms still enter Kent and a gentleman meeting. Who's there? Besides foul weather? One minded like the weather, most unquietly. I know you. Where's the king? Contending with the fretful element, bids the winds blow the earth into the sea, or swell the curled water above the main, that things might change or cease. Tears his, tears his white hair, which the impetuous blasts with eyeless rage catch in their fury and make nothing of. Strives in his little world of man to outscorn the to and fro conflicting wind and rain. This night, wherein the cub-drawn bear would couch, the lion and the belly-pinched wolf keep their fur dry. Unbonneted he runs and bids what will take all. But, but who is with him? None but the fool, who labors to outjest his heart-struck injuries. Sir, I do know you, and dare, upon the warrant of my note, commend a dear thing to you. There is division, although as yet the face of it be covered with mutual cunning, twixt Albany and Cornwall, who have as who have not, that their great stars throned and set high, servants, who seem no less, which are to France, the spies and speculations intelligent of our state, what have been seen, either in snuffs and packings of the dukes, or the hard rain which both of them have borne against the old kind king, or something deeper, whereof perchance these are but furnishings. But true, it is, from France there comes a power into this scattered kingdom, who already, wise in our negligence, have secret feet in some of our best ports, and are at point to show their open banner. Now to you, if on my credit you dare build so far to make your speed to Dover, you shall find some that will thank you, making just report of how unnatural and benadding sorrow the king hath caused to claim. I am a gentleman of blood and breeding, and from some knowledge and assurance, offer this office to you. I will talk further to you, with you. No, do not. For confirmation that I am much more than my outwall, open this purse and take what it contains. Uh, if you shall see Cordelia, and fear not, but you shall, show her this ring, and she will tell you who your fellow is that yet you do not know. Fie upon the storm. I will go seek the king. Give me your hand. Have you no more to say? Few words, but to effect more than all yet. That, when we have found the king, in which you are pain that way, I'll this. He that first lights on him, holler the other. Exit severally. Scene two, another part of the heath. heath storm still. Enter King Lear and fool. Blow winds and crack your cheeks. Rage blow. You cataracts and hurricanes spout till you have drenched our steeples, drowned the cocks. You sulfurous and thought-executing fires, vaunt couriers of oak-cleaving thunderbolts, singe my white head. And thou, all shaking thunder, strike flat the thick rotundity of the world. 
Crack nature's molds, all Germans spill at once, that make ingrateful man. Oh, uncle, court holy water in a dry house is better than this rainwater out a door. Good uncle Nin, and ask thy daughter's blessing. Here's a night pities neither wise man nor fool. Rumble the bellyful, spit fire, spout rain. No wind, rain, thunder, fire of my daughters. I tax not you, you elements with unkindness. I never gave you kingdom, called you children. You owe me no subscription. Then let fall your horrible pleasure. Here I stand, your slave, a poor, infirm, weak, a despised old man. But yet I call you servile ministers that will with two pernicious daughters join your high-engendered battles against a head so old and white as this. Oh, tis foul. He that has a house to put's head in has a good head piece. The cod piece that will house before the head has any. The head and he shall loose. So beggars marry many. The man that makes his toe what he his heart should make shall have a corn cry woe and turn his sleep to wake. Huh? Yeah. For there was never yet fair woman, but she made mouths in a glass. No, I will be the pattern of all patience. I will say nothing. Dr. Kent. Who is there? Mary, here's grace in a codpiece. That's a wise man and a fool. Alas, sir, are you here? Things that love night, love not such nights as these. The wrathful skies gallow the very wanderers of the dark and make them keep their caves. Since I was man, such sheets of fire, such bursts of horrid thunder, such groans of roaring wind and rain, I never remember to have heard. Man's nature cannot carry the affliction nor the fear. Let the great gods that keep this dreadful putter o'er our heads find out their enemies now. Tremble, thou wretch, that hast within thee undivulged crimes unwhipped of justice. Hide thee, thou bloody hand, thou perjured, and thou simular man of virtue, thou art incestuous. Caitiff to pieces shake that under covert and convenient seeming has practiced on men's life. Close pent up guilts, rise your concealing countenance and cry these dreadful summoners' grace. I am a man more sinned against than sinning. Alack, bareheaded. Gracious, my lord, hard by here is a hovel. Some friendship will it lend you against the tempest. Repose ye there, while I to this hard house, more harder than the stones whereof tis raised, which even but now, demanding after you, denied me to come in. Return and force their scanted courtesy. My wits begin to turn. Come on, boy. How dost, my boy, art cold? I, I am cold myself. Where is this straw, my fellow? 
the art of our necessities is strange and can make vile things precious. Come, your hovel, poor fool and knave. I have one part in my heart that's sorry yet for thee. He that has in a little tiny wit with a hey-ho, the wind and the rain must make content with fortunes fit. For the rain, it raineth every day. True, true, my good boy. Come bring us to this hovel. Sent King Lear in Kent. Uh, This is a brave night to cool a courtesan. <laughs> I'll speak a prophecy ere I go. When priests are more in word than matter, when brewers mar their malt with water, when nobles are their tailors' tutors, no heretics burned but wenches suitors, when every case in law is right, no squire in debt, nor no poor knight, when slanders do not live in tongues, nor cut purses come not to throngs, when usurers tell their gold to the field, and bods and whores do churches build, then shall all the realm of Albion come to great confusion. <laughs> then comes the time, who lives to see it? A going shall be used with feet. This prophecy Merlin shall make. For I live before his time. Exit. Scene three, Gloucester's castle. Enter Gloucester and Edmund. Alack, alack, Edmund, I like not this unnatural dealing. When I desired their leave that I might pity him, they took from me the use of mine own house charged me on pain of their perpetual displeasure neither to speak of him and treat for him nor any way sustain him most savage and unnatural you do but you say say you nothing there's a division betwixt the dukes and a worse matter than that i have received a letter this night it is dangerous to be spoken i've locked the letter in my closet these injuries the king now bears will be revenged home there's part of a power already footed we must incline to the king. I will seek him and privily relieve him. Go you and maintain talk with the duke that my charity be not of him perceived. If he ask for me, I'm ill and gone to bed. Though I die for it, as no less is threatened me, the king, my old master, must be relieved. There is some strange thing toward Edmund. Pray you be careful. Exit. This courtesy forbid thee shall the duke instantly know. And of that letter, too, this seems a fair deserving, and must draw me that which my father loses. No less than all, the younger rises when the old doth fall. Exit. Scene four, the heath before a hovel. Enter King Lear, Kent, and Fool. Here's the place, my lord. Good, my lord, enter. The tyranny of the open night's too rough for nature to endure. Let me alone. Good my lord, enter here. Will it break my heart? 
I'd rather break mine own. Could my lord enter? Thou thinkst it is much that this contentious storm invades us to the skin. So tis to thee. But where the greater malady is fixed, the lesser is scarce felt. Thou shall a bear, but if thy flight lay toward the roaring sea, thou'lt meet the bear in the mouth. When the mind's free, the body is delicate. This tempest in my mind doth from my senses take all feeling else save what beats there. Filial ingratitude. Is it not as this mouth should tear this hand for lifting food to it? That I will punish home. No, thou'll weep no more in such a night. To shut me out. Pour on, I will endure in such a night as this. Oh, Regan, Goneril, your old kind father, whose frank heart gave all. Oh, that way madness lies. Let me shun that. No more of that. Could my lord enter here? Prithee, go in thyself. Seek thine own ease. This tempest will not give me leave to ponder on things would hurt me more. But I'll go in. In, boy, go first. Hmm? You houseless poverty. Nay, get thee in. I, I, I'll pray, and, 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 and then I'll, I'll, I'll sleep. Who goes in? Poor naked wretches, wheresoe'er you are, that bide the pelting of this pitiless storm. How shall your houseless heads and unfed sides, your looped and windowed raggedness, defend you from seasons such as these? Oh, I have tamed too little care of this. Take physic, pomp. Expose thyself to feel what wretches feel that thou mayst shake the superflux to them and show the heavens more just. Half and a half, half and a half, poor Tom. The fool runs out of the hovel. I'm not in here, uncle. Here's a spirit. Help me. Help me. Give me thy hand. Who's there? A spirit. A spirit. He says his name. Poor Tom. What art thou that does grumble there the straw? Come forth. Away! Edgar disguised as a madman. The, the foul fiend follows me. Through the sharp hawthorn blows the cold wind. Go to thy cold bed and warm thee. Didst thou give all to thy two daughters? And art thou come to this? Who gives anything to poor Tom, whom the foul fiend hath led through fire and through flame and through ford and whirlpool or bog and quagmire that hath laid knives under his pillow and halters in his pew, set rapstorn by his porridge, made film proud of heart to ride on a bay-trotting horse over four-inched bridges to course his own shadow for a traitor. Bless thy five wits, Tom's a cold. Oh, do de do de do de Bless thee from the whirlwinds, star-blasting and taking. Do poor Tom some charity, whom the foul fiend vexes. There could I have him now. And there, and there again, and there! Storm still. 
What have his daughters brought him to this pass? Couldst thou save nothing? Wouldst thou give him all? Nay, he reserved a blanket, else we had been all shamed. Now all the plagues that in the pendulous air hang fated or men's faults light on thy daughters. He hath no daughters, sir. Death, traitor! Nothing could have subdued nature to such aloneness but his unkind daughters. Is it the fashion that discarded fathers should have thus little mercy on their flesh? Judicious punishment twas this flesh. Begot those pelican daughters. Pillycock's out on Pillycock Hill. Halloo, halloo, halloo. This cold night will turn us all to fools and madmen. Take heed to the foul fiend. Obey thy parents. Keep thy word justly. Swear not. Commit not with thy man's sworn spouse. Set not thy sweetheart on proud array. Tom's a cold. What hast thou been? A serving man. A, a proud in heart and mind that curled my hair, wore gloves in my cap, uh, served the lust of my mistress's heart, and did the act of darkness with her, swore as many oaths as I spake words and broke them in the sweet face of heaven. One that slept in contriving of lust and waked to do it. Wine loved I deeply, diced dearly, and in women out paramoured the Turk. False of heart, light of ear, bloody of hand, hog in sloth, fox in stealth, wolf in greediness, dog in madness, lion in prey. Let not the creaking of shoes nor the rustling of silks betray thy poor heart to women. Keep thy foot out of brothels, thy hand out of plackets, thy pen from lenders' books, and defy the foul fiend still. Through the hawthorn blows the cold wind, says someone. Ah, oh, no, nanny. Dolphin, my boy, my boy, says, let him trot by. Why, thou wert better in a grave than to answer with thy uncovered body this extremity of the skies. Is man no more than this? Consider him well. Thou owest the worm no silk, the beast no hide, the sheep no wool, the cat no perfume. Ah! Here's three ounce. Are sophisticated. Thou art the thing itself. Unaccommodated man is no more but such a poor, bare, forked animal as thou art off. Off, you lendings, come, unbutton here. Tearing off his clothes. Oh, well, prithee, uncle, be contented. It is a naughty night to swim in. Now a little fire in a wild field were like an old lecher's heart. A small spark, all the rest on spotty cold. Oh, look, here comes a walking fire. Enter Gloucester with a torch. This is the foul fiend, flipperty gibbet. He begins the web, uh, he, 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 be, he begins at curfew and walks to the first cock. He gives the web and the pin, squints the eye and makes the hair lip, mildews the white wheat and hurts the poor creature of earth. This withhold footed thrice the old, he met the nightmare and her ninefold, bid her alight and her troth plight and aroint thee, rich, aroint thee. How fares your grace? What's he? Who's there? What is to seek? What are you there? Your names? 
uh, poor Tom that eats the swimming frog, the toad, the tadpole, the walnut in the water, that in the fury of his heart, when the foul fiend rages, eats cow dung for salads, swallows the old rat and ditch dog, drinks the green mantle of the standing pool, who is whipped from tithing to tithing, and stock punished and imprisoned, who hath three suits on his back, six shirts to his body, horse to ride and weapon to wear. But mice and rats and such small deer have been Tom's, food for seven long year. Beware, my follower. Peace, Smokin, peace, thou fiend. Oh, that's your grace no better company. But the prince of darkness is a gentleman. Modo, he's called, and Mahu. Ah, flesh and blood is grown so vile, my lord, that it doth hate what gets it. Poor Tom's a cold. Go in with me. My duty cannot suffer to obey in all your daughter's hard commands. Though their injunction be to bar my doors and let this tyrannous night take hold upon you, yet have I ventured to come seek you out and bring you where both fire and food is ready. First, let me talk with this philosopher. What is the cause of thunder? Good, my lord, take his offer. Go into the house. I'll talk a word with this same learned Theban. What is your study? How to prevent the fiend and to kill vermin. Let me ask you one word in private. Oh, importune him once more to go, my lord. His wits begin to unsettle. Canst thou blame him? Storm still. His daughters seek his death. Oh, that good Kent. He said it would be thus, poor banished man. Thou sayest the king grows mad. I'll tell thee, friend, I am almost mad myself. I, I had a son, now out. He sought my life, but lately, very late. I loved him, friend, no father his son dearer. Truth to tell thee, the grief hath crazed my wits. Oh, what a night's this! I do beseech your grace. Oh, cry you mercy, sir. Ah, uh, noble philosopher, your company. Tom's a cold. In, fellow there, into the hovel, keep thee warm. Come, let's see it all. This way, my lord. With him, I will keep still with my philosopher. Good my lord, soothe him. Let him take the fellow. Take him, you on. Sirrah, come on. Go along with us. Come, good Athenian. No words, no words. Ah, child Roland to the dark tower came. His word was still fie, foe, and fum. I smell the blood of a British man. Exit. Scene five, Gloucester's castle. Enter Cornwall and Edmund. I will have my revenge ere I depart his house. How, oh, my lord, I may be censured that nature thus gives way to loyalty. Something fears me to think of. I now perceive it was not altogether your brother's evil disposition made him seek his death, but a provoking merit set at work by a reprovable badness in himself. How malicious is my fortune that I must repent to be just. This is the letter he spoke of, which approves him of which approves him an intelligence par party to the advantages of France. Oh heavens, that this treason were not, or not I, the detector. With me to the Duchess. If the matter of this paper be certain, you have mighty business in hand. True or false? It hath made thee Earl of 
Gloucester. Seek out where thy father is, that he may be ready for our apprehension. If I find him confronting the king, it will stuff it will stuff his suspicion more fully. I will persevere in my cause of loyalty, though the conflict be sore between that and my blood. I will lay trust upon thee, and thou shalt find a dear father in my lot. Excellent. Scene six, a chamber in a farmhouse adjoining the castle. Enter Gloucester, King Lear, Kent, Fool, and Ed Edgar. Here is better than the open air. Take it thankfully. I will piece out the comfort with what addition I can. I will not be long from you. All the power of his wits have given way to his impatience. The gods reward you for your kindness. Exit Gloucester. Raptor Ratto calls me and tells me Nero is an angler in the lake of darkness. Pray, innocent, and beware the foul fiend. Prithee, uncle, tell me whether a madman be gentleman or a yeoman. A king. A king. No, he's a yeoman that has a gentleman to his son, for he's a mad yeoman that sees his son a gentleman before him. To have a thousand with red burning spits come hissing in upon them. Oh, the foul fiend bites my back. He's mad that trusts in the tameness of a wolf, a horse's health, a boy's love, or a whore's oath. It shall be done. I will arraign them straight. Uh, come, sir, sit thou here, most learned justicer. Thou, sapient sir, sit here. Now. You, she-foxes. Where he stands and glares, watch thou eyes at trial, madman. Come o'er the born Bessie to me. Her boat hath a leak, and she must not speak. Why, she dares not come over to thee. The foul fiend haunts poor Tom in the voice of a nightingale. Hop dance cries in Tom's belly for two white herring. Croak not, black angel, I have no food for thee. How do you, sir? Oh, stand you not so amazed. Will you lie down and rest upon the cushions? Oh, see the trial first. Bring in their evidence. Thou robed man of justice, take thy place. And thou, his yoke fellow of equity, bench by his side. You are of the commission, sit you too. <clears throat> uh, let us deal justly. Sleepest or wakest thou, Dolly Shepherd? Thy sheep be in the corn, and for one blast of thy millican mouth, thy sheep shall take no harm, per the cat is grey. Arraign her first. Tis Goneril. I here take my oath before this honourable assembly. Kicked the poor king, her father. Uh, come hither, mistress. Is your name Goneril? She cannot deny it. Cry you mercy, I took you for a joint stool. And here's another, whose warped looks proclaim what store her heart is made on. Stop her there, arms, arms, sword, fire, corruption of the place, false justice, sir, why hast thou let her escape? What's the five wits? Oh, pity. Sir, where is the patience now that thou so oft have boasted to retain? The tears begin to take his part so much they'll mar my counterfeiting. The little dogs and all. Trey, Blanche, and Sweetheart still. See, they, they bark at me. 
To Tom Tom will throw his head at him. A want you curse. Be thy mouth or black or white. Tooth thy poisons if it bite. Mastiff, greyhound, mongrel, grim. Hound or spaniel, brack or limb. Or bobtail, tyke or trundle tail. Tom will make them weep and wail. For the, with throwing dust my head. Dogs leap the hatch and all are fled. Do dee 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 sa sa. Come, match, march to wakes and fairs and market towns. Poor Tom, I is dry. Let them anatomize Regan. See what breathes about her heart. Is there any cause in nature that makes these hard hearts? You, sir, I entertain for one of my hundred only I do not like the fashion of your garments. You shall say they are Persian attire, but let them be changed. Now, good my lord, lie here and rest a while. Make no noise. Make no noise. Draw the curtains. So. 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 We'll go to supper in the morning. So, so, so. And I'll go to bed at noon. Re-enter Gloucester. I'm hither, friend. Where is the king, my master? Here, sir. But trouble him not. His wits are gone. Good friend, I prithee take him in thy arms. I have o'erheard a plot of death upon him. There is a litter ready, lay him in, and drive towards Dover, friend, where thou shalt meet both welcome and protection. Take up thy master, if thou shouldst dally half an hour, his life with thine and all that offer to defend him stand in assured loss. Take up, take up, follow me, that will to some provision give thee quick conduct. Oppressed nature sleeps. This rest might yet have bombed thy broken senses, which, if convenience will not allow, Stand in hard cure. Come, help hmm? to bear thy master. Thou must not stay behind. Come, come, away. Exempt all but Edgar. Uh, okay. When we are better see bearing our woes, we scarcely think our miseries are foes. Who alone suffers, suffers most in the mind, leaving free things and happy shows behind. But then the mind much sufferance doth o'er skip when grief hath matters and bearing fellowship. How light and portable my pain seems now, when that which makes me bend makes the king bow, he childed as I fathered. Tom, away, mark the high noises and thyself be ray, when false opinion whose wrong thought defiles thee in thy just proof repeals and reconciles thee. What will happen more tonight? Safe scape the king. Lurk. Lurk. Exit. Scene seven, Gloucester's castle. Enter Cornwall, Regan, Goneril, Edmund, and servants. Host speedily to my lord, your husband. Show him this letter. The army of France is landed. Seek out the villain Gloucester. Exit some of the servants. Hang him instantly. Pluck out his eyes. Leave him to my displeasure. Edmund, keep you our sister company. 
The revenges we are bound to take upon your traitorous father, father are not fit for your beholding. Advise the Duke where you are going with those festive preparation. We are bound to the land. Our post shall be swift and intelligent, Princess. Farewell, dear sister. Farewell, my lord of Gloucester. Enter Oswald. How now? Where's the king? My lord of Gloucester hath conveyed him hence, some five or six and thirty of his knights, hot questrists after him, met him at the gate, who, with some other of the lord's dependents, are gone with him towards Dover, where they boast to have well-armed friends. Get horses for your mistress. Farewell, sweet lord and sister. Edmund, farewell. Exit Goneril, Edmund, and Oswald. Go seek the traitor Gloucester. Pinion him like a thief. Bring him before us. Exit other servants. Though well we may not pass upon his life without the form of justice, yet our power shall do a courtesy to our wrath, which men may blame but not control. Who's there? The traitor? Enter Gloucester, brought in by two or three. Ungrateful fox, tis he. Bind fast his corky arms. What mean your graces? Good, my friends, consider you are my guests. Do me no foul play, friends. Bind him, I say. Servants, bind him. Hard, hard, filthy traitor. Unmerciful lady as you are, I'm none. This chair bind him. Villain, thou shalt find. Regan plucks his beard. By the kind gods, tis most ignobly done to pluck me by the beard. So white. And such a traitor. Naughty lady, these hairs which thou dost ravish from my chin will quicken and accuse thee. I am your host. With robber's hands my hospitable favours, you should not ruffle thus. What will you do? Come, sir, what letters had you late from France? Be simple, answerer, for we know the truth. And what confederacy have you with the traitors late-footed in the kingdom? To whose hands have you sent the lunatic king? Speak. I have... A letter guessingly set down, which came from one that's of a neutral heart and not from one opposed. Cunning. And false. Where hast thou sent the king? To Dover. Wherefore to Dover? Wast thou not charged at peril? Wherefore to Dover? Let him first answer that. I am tied to the stake and I must stand the course. Wherefore to Dover, sir? Because I would not see thy cruel nails pluck out his poor old eyes, nor thy fierce sister in his anointed flesh stick boorish fangs. The sea with such a storm as its bare head in the hell-black night endured would have buoyed up and quenched the stellar fires. Yet, poor old heart, he hoped the heavens to rain. If wolves had at thy gate howled that stern time, thou shouldst have said, good porter, turn the key. All cruels else subscribed, but I shall see the winged vengeance overtake such children. Theest shalt thou never. Fellows, hold the chair. Upon thy eyes of thine I set my foot. He that will think to live till he be old, give me some help. Oh, cruel, you gods. One side will mock the other. <gasps> the other too. If you see vengeance. Hold your hand, my lord. I have served you ever since I was a child. 
but better service have I never done you than now to bid you hold. How now, you dog? If you did wear a beard upon your chin, I'd shake it on this quarrel. What do you mean? My villain! They draw and fight. Nay, then, come on, and take the chance of anger. Give me thy sword. A peasant stand up thus. Takes a sword and runs at him behind. Oh, I'm slain. My lord, you have one eye left to see some mischief on him. Oh! Lest it see more prevented. Out, vile jelly. Uh, there is my luster now. Old dark and comfortless. Where's my son, Edmund? Edmund and kindle all the sparks of nature to quit this horrid act. Out, treacherous villain. Thou call'st on him that hates thee. It was he that made the overture of thy treasons to us, which is too good to pity thee. Oh, my follies, then Edgar was abused. Find God's forgive me that and prosper him. Go thrust him at our gates. Let him smell his way to Dover. Exit one with Gloucester. Host, my lord, how look you? I have received a hurt. Fellow, follow me, lady. Turn out that eyeless villain. Throw his slave upon the dunghill. Regan, I bleed apace. Untimely comes this hurt. Give me your arm. Cornwall led by Regan. I'll never care what wickedness I do if this man come to good. He lived long, and in the end meet the old curse of death. Women will all turn monsters. Let's follow the old Earl and get the Bedlam to lead him where he would. His roguish madness allows itself to anything. Go thou. I'll fetch some flax and whites of eggs to apply to his bleeding face. Now heaven help him. Exit severally. Act 4, Scene 1, The Heath. Enter Edgar. Yet better thus, and known to be condemned, than still condemned and flattered. To be worst, the lowest and most dejected thing of fortune, stands still in experts, lives in fear. The lamentable change is from the best, the worst returns to laughter. <sighs> Welcome then the unsubstantial air that I embrace. The wretch that thou hast thrown, that blown unto the worst, owes nothing to thy blasts. But who comes here? Enter Gloucester, led by an old man. My father, poorly led. World. World, oh, world. But that thy strange mutations make us hate thee. Lie would not, well, I would, lie would not yield to age. Oh, my good lord. I have been your tenant and your father's tenant these fourscore years. Away, get thee away, good friend, be gone. Thy comforts can do me no good at all. Thee they may hurt. Alack, sir, you cannot see your way. I have no way and therefore want no eyes. I stumbled when I saw. Full oft to seen our means secure us and our mere defects prove our commodities. Oh, dear son, Edgar. The food of thy abused father's wrath. Might I but live to see thee in my touch, I'd say I'd eyes again. How now? Who's there? Oh, gods, 
who is can say I am at the worst. I am worse than e'er I was. Tis poor mad Tom. And worse I may be yet. The worst is not, so long as we can stay this is, is the worst. Fellow, where ghost? Mr. Beggar Man. Madman and beggar, too. He has some reason, else he could not beg. In the last night's storm I such a fellow saw, which made me think a man a worm. My son came then into my mind, and yet my mind was then scarce friends with him. I have heard more since. As flies to wanton boys are we to the gods, they kill us for their sport. How should this be? Bad is the trade that must play fool to sorrow, angering itself and others. Uh, bless thee, master. Is that the naked fellow? Aye, my lord. Then prithee get thee gone. If for my sake thou wilt o'ertake us hence a mile or twain, in the way towards Dover, do it for ancient love, and bring some covering for this naked soul, who I'll entreat to lead me. Alack, sir, he is mad. Tis the time's plague when madmen lead the blind. Do as I bid thee, or rather do thy pleasure, above the rest be gone. I'll bring him the best peril that I have. Come on to what will. Exit. Sirrah, naked fellow. Poor Tom's a cool. I cannot daub it further. Come hither, fellow. And yet I must. Bless thy sweet eyes, they bleed. Knowst thou the way to Dover? Both, both stile and gate, horseway and footpath. Poor Tom hath been scared out of his good wits. Oh, bless thee, good man's son, from the foul fiend. Five fiends have been in poor Tom at once, of lust and obedience, obedience. Prince of Dumbness, Bahu of Stealing, Modu of Murder, Liberty, Gibbet of Mopping and Mowing, and who since possesses chambermaids and waiting women, and so does thee, Master. Here, take this purse, thou whom the heaven's plagues have numbed to all strokes, that I am wretched makes thee happier. Heaven steal so still. Let the superfluous and lust-dieted man that slaves your ordinance that will not see thee because he doth not feel, feel your power quickly. So distribution should undo excess and each man have enough. Dost thou know Dover? Aye, master. There is a cliff whose high and bending head looks fearfully in the confined deep. Bring me but to the very brim of it, and I'll repair the misery thou dost bear with something rich about me. From that place I shall no leading need. Give me thy arm. But poor Tom shall lead thee. Exit. Scene two before Albany's palace. Enter Goneril and Edmund. Welcome, my lord. I marvel our mild husband not met us on the way. Enter Oswald. Now, where's your master? Madam, within. But never man so changed. I told him of the army that was landed. He smiled at it. I told him you were coming. His answer was the worse. Of Gloucester's treachery and of the loyal service of his son, when I informed him, then he called me sought and told me I had turned the wrong side out. What most he should dislike seems pleasant to him. What like? Offensive. Then shall you go no further. 
It is the cowish terror of his spirit that dares not undertake. He'll not feel wrongs which tie him to an answer. Our wishes on the way may prove effects. Back, Edmund, to my brother, hasten his musters and conduct his powers. I must change arms at home and give the distaff into my husband's hands. This trusty servant shall pass between us. Ere long you are like to hear, if you dare venture in your own behalf, a mistress's command. Wear this. Spare speech. Giving a favor. Decline your head. This kiss, if it durst speak, would stretch thy spirits up into the air. Conceive, and fare thee well. Yours in the ranks of death. My most dear Gloucester. Exit Edmund. Oh, the difference of man and man. To thee a woman's services are due. My fool usurps my body. Madam, here comes my lord. Exit. Enter Albany. I have been worth the whistle. Oh, Goneril, you are not worth the dust which the rude wind blows in your face. I fear your disposition. That nature which contemns its origin cannot be bordered certain in itself. She that herself will sliver and disbranch from her material sap, perforce must wither and come to deadly use. No more. The text is foolish. Wisdom and goodness to the vile seem vile. Filths savor but themselves. What have you done? Tigers of daughters, what have you performed? A father and a gracious, gracious aged man whose reverence even the head-lugged bear would lick most barbarous, most degenerate, have you matted? Could my good brother suffer you to do it? A man, a prince by him so benefited, if at the heavens do not their visible spirits send quickly down to tame these vile offenses, it will come. We must perforce prey on itself like monsters of the deep. Milk-livered man! That bearest a cheek for blows, a head for wrongs. Who has not in thy brows an eye discerning thine honor from thy suffering? That not knowest fools do those villains pity who are punished ere they have done their mischief. Where's thy drum? Fred spreads his banners in our noiseless land. With plumed helm thy slayer begins threats. Whilst thou, a moral fool, sit still and criest, Alack, why does he so? See thyself, devil. For deformity seems not in the fiend so horrid as in woman. Oh, vain fool. Thou changed and self-covered thing, for shame. Be monster, not thy feature. Were it my fitness to let these hands obey my blood, they are apt enough to dis locate and tear thy flesh and bones. Howe'er thou art a fiend, a woman's shape doth shield thee. Marry your manhood now. Enter a messenger. What news? Oh, my good lord, the Duke of Cornwall's dead, slain by her servant, going to put out the other eye of Gloucester. Gloucester's eye? A servant that he bred, thrilled with remorse, opposed against the act, bending his sword to his great master, who... Thereat enraged flew on him, and amongst them felled him dead, but not without that harmful stroke which since hath plucked him after. This shows you are above, you justicers, that these our nether crimes so speedily can venge, but... Oh, poor Gloucester! 
Lost he his other eye? Both. Both, my lord. This letter, madam, craves a speedy answer. Tis from your sister. One way I like as well. But being widow, and my Gloucester with her, may all the building in my fancy pluck upon my hateful life. Another way the news is not so tart. I'll read and answer. Exit. Where was his son when they did take his eyes? Come with my lady hither. He is not here. No, my good lord, I met him back again. Knows he the wickedness? Aye, my good lord. Twas he informed against him, and quit the house on purpose that their punishment might have the freer course. Gloucester, I live to thank thee for the love thou showest the king, and to revenge thine eyes. Come hither, friend. Tell me what more thou knowest. Exit. Scene three, the French camp near Dover. Enter Kent and a gentleman. Why the King of France so suddenly gone back? No other reason. Something he left imperfect in the state, which since his coming forth is thought of, which imports to the kingdom so much fear and danger that his personal return was most required and necessary. Who hath he left behind him, General? The Marshal of France, Monsieur Lafarge. Did your letters pierce the queen to any demonstration of grief? Aye, sir. She took them, read them in my presence, and now and then an ample tear trilled down her delicate cheek. It seemed she was a queen over her passion, who most rebel-like sought to be king or her. Oh, then it moved her. Not to a rage. Patience and sorrow strove who should express her goodliness, her goodliest. You have seen sunshine and rain at once. Her smiles and tears were like a better way. Those happy simlets that played on her ripe lip seemed not to know what guests were in her eyes, which parted thence as pearls from diamonds dropped. In brief, sorrow would be a rarity, most beloved, if all could so become it. Made she no verbal question? Faith. Once or twice she heaved the name of father, pantingly forth, as if it pressed her heart. Cried, sisters, sisters, shame of ladies, sisters. Kent, father, sisters. What in the storm, in the night? Let pity not be believed. There she shook the holy water from her heavenly eyes and clamored moistened. Then away she started to deal with grief alone. It is the stars. The stars above us govern our conditions. Else oneself meet and meet could not beget such different issues. You spoke not with her since? No. Was it before the king returned? No, since. Well, sir, the poor distressed leers of the town, who sometime in his better tune remembers what we are come about and by no means will yield to see his daughter. Why, good sir? A sovereign shame so elbows him, his own unkindness that stripped her from his benediction, turned her to foreign casualties, gave her dear rights to his dog-hearted hearted daughters. These things sting his mind so venomously that burning shame detains him from Cordelia. Alack, poor gentleman. 
of Albany and Cornwall's powers. You heard not? Tis so, they are afoot. Well, sir, I'll bring you to our master Lear and leave you to attend him. Some dear cause will in concealment wrap me up a while. When I am known aright, you shall not grieve lending me this acquaintance. I pray you, go along with me. Exempt. Scene four, the same, a tent. Enter with drum and colors, Cordelia, doctor, and soldiers. Alack, tis he. Why, he was never met even now, as mad as the vexed sea, singing aloud, crowned with rank firmator and furrow weeds, with burdocks, hemlock, nettles, cuckoo flowers, darnel, and all the idle weeds that grow in our sustaining corn. A sentry send forth, search every acre in the high-grown field, and bring him to our eye. Exit an officer. What can man's wisdom in the restoring his bereaved sense? He that helps him take all my outward worth. There is, me there is means, madam. Our foster, uh, our foster nurse of nature is repose, the which he lacks, that to provoke in him are many simples operative, whose power will close the eye of anguish. All blessed secrets all you unpublished virtues of the earth spring with my tears. Be aidant and remediate in the good man's distress. Seek, seek for him, lest his ungoverned rage dissolve the life that wants the means to lead it. Enter a messenger. News, madam. The British powers are marching hitherward. Tis known before. Our preparation stands in expectation of them. Oh, dear father, it is thy business that I go about. Therefore, great France, my mourning and important tears have pitied. No blown ambition doth our arms incite, but love, dear love, and our aged father's right. Soon may I hear and see him. Exit. Scene five, Gloucester's castle. Enter Regan and Oswald. But are my brother's powers set forth? Aye, madam. Himself in person there? Madam, with much ado, your sister is the better soldier. Lord Edmund spake you not with your lord at home? No, madam. What might import my sister's letter to him? I know not, lady. Faith, he is posted hence on some serious matter. It was of great importance. Gloucester's eyes being out to let him live. Where he arrives, he moves, all hearts against us. Edmund, I think, is gone. In pity of his misery to dispatch his knighted life, moreover to descry the strength of the enemy. I must needs after him, madam, with my letter. Our troops set forth tomorrow. Stay with us. The ways are dangerous. I may not, madam. My lady charged my duty in this business. Why should she write to Edmund? Might not you transport her purposes by word? Be like something, I know not what. I love thee much. Let me unseal the letter. Madam, I had rather not. I know your lady does not love her husband. I am sure of that. And at her late being here, she gave strange oleids and most speaking looks to noble Edmund. I know you of her, of, I know you are of her bosom. I, madam? I speak in understanding. You are. I know it. Before I do advise you, take this note. My lord is dead. 
Edmund and I have talked, and more convenient is he for my hand than for your ladies, as you may gather more. If you do find him, pray you, give him this. And when your mistress hears thus much from you, I pray desire her to call her wisdom to her. So fare you well. If you do chance to hear of that blind traitor, preferment falls on him that cuts him off. Would I could meet him, madam. I should show what party I do follow. Fare thee well. Excellent. Scene six, fields near Dover. Enter Gloucester and Edgar dressed like a peasant. When should we come to the top of that same hill? You do climb up it now. Look how we labor. Methinks the ground is even. Uh, horrible steep. Hark, do you hear the sea? No, truly. Why, then, your other senses grow imperfect by your eyes' anguish. Oh, so may it be, indeed. Methinks thy voice is altered, and thou speakst in better phrase and matter than thou didst. <clears throat> you are much deceived. In nothing am I changed but in my garments. Mm, methinks you're better spoken. <clears throat> Come on, sir. Here's the place. Stand still. Oh, how fearful and dizzy tis to cast one's eyes so low. The crows and chose that wing the midday air show scarce so gross as beetles. Halfway down hangs one that gathers samphire dreadful trade. Methinks he seems no bigger than his head. The fishermen walk upon the beach, appear like mice, and yon tall anchoring bark, diminished by her cock, her cock a boy, almost too small for sight, a murmuring surge, that on the unnumbered, unnumbered idle pebbles chafes cannot be heard so high. Oh, I'll look more, look no more, lest my brain turn and the deficient sight topple down headlong. Set me where you stand. Give me your hand. You are now within a foot of the extreme verge. For all beneath the moon would I not leap upright. Let go my hand. Here, friends, another purse. In it a jewel well worth a poor man's taking. Fairies and gods prosper it with thee. Go thou further off. Bid me farewell, and let me hear thee going. Now fare you well, good sir. With all my heart. Why I do trifle thus with his despair is done to cure it. O oh, you mighty gods, this world I do renounce, and in your sights shake patiently my great affliction off. If I could bear it longer and not fall to quarrel with your great opposeless wills, my snuff and loathed part of nature should burn itself out. If Edgar live, oh, bless him. Now, fellow, fare thee well. He falls Go forward. Sir, farewell. And yet I know not how conceit may rob the treasury of life when life itself yields to the theft. And had he been where he thought by this, had thought been past. Alive uh, or dead? Oh, uh, you, sir, friend. Hear you, sir. Speak. Thus might he pass indeed. Yet he revives. What are you, sir? Away. Let me die. Oh, hadst thou been aught but gossamer, feathers, air, 
so many fathom down precipitating thou'dst shiver like an egg but thou dost breathe that's heavy substance bleeds not speaks starts down and masks it each make not the altitude which thou hast perpendicularly fell thy life's a miracle speak it again but have i fallen or no well from the dread summit of this chalky born but look up i the shrill gorged lark so far cannot be seen or heard do, do but look up alack i have no eyes his wretchedness deprived that benefit to end itself by death was yet some comfort when misery could beguile the tyrant's rage and frustrate his part proud will give me your arm up oh, so how is it feel you your legs you stand too well too well this is above all strangeness upon the crown of the cliff what was that which parted from you a poor unfortunate beggar oh, as i stood here below methought his eyes were two full moons he had a thousand noses, horns, whelked and waved like the enraged sea. It was some fiend. Therefore, thou happy father, think that the clearest gods who make them honors of men who make them honors of men and possibilities have preserved thee. I do remember now. Henceforth I'll bear affliction till it do cry out itself enough. Enough and die. That thing you speak of, I, I took it for a man. Often would say, the fiend, the fiend. He led me to that place. Fair, free, and patient thoughts. But who comes here? Enter Lear, fantastically dressed with wild flowers. The safer sense will ne'er accommodate his master thus. No, they cannot touch me for coining. I am the king himself. Oh, thou side-piercing sight. Nature's above art in that respect. There should press money. That fellow handles his bow like a crow-keeper. Draw me a clothier's yard. Look, look, a mouse, piece, piece. This piece of toasted cheese will do it. There's my gauntlet. I'll prove it on a giant. Bring up the brown bills. Oh, well-flown bird of the cloud, in the cloud! Ah! Give the word. Sweet Marjoram. Pass. I know that voice. Ha! Ah! Goneril, with a white beard. They flattered me like a dog. They told me I had the white hairs in my beard and the black ones were there. To say I and no to everything that I said I and no to was no good divinity. When the rain came to wet me once, and the wind to make me chatter, when the thunder would not peace at my bidding, there I found them. There I smelt them out. Go to, they are not men of their words. They told me I was everything. Tis a lie. I am not ague-proof. The trick of that voice I do remember well. Is it not the king? I every inch a king. And I do stare, see how the subject quakes. I pardon that man's life. What was thy cause? Adultery? Thou shalt not die. Die for adultery? No. The wren goes to it, and the small gilded fly does lecture in my sight. Let copulation thrive. 
for Gloucester's bastard son was kinder to his father than where my daughters got between the lawful sheets. To it, luxury, pell-mell, for I lack soldiers. Behold yon simpering dame, whose face between her forks presages snow, that minces virtue and does shake her head to hear of pleasure's name. <laughs> oh, the fitune of the soiled horse goes to it with a more riotous appetite. Down from the waist they are centaurs, though women all above, but to the girdle do the gods inherit, beneath is all the fiends. There's hell, there's darkness, there is the sulphurous pit, burning, scalding, stench, consumption. <laughs> Give me an ounce of civet, good apothecary, to sweeten my imagination. There's money for thee. Oh, let me kiss that hand. Let me wipe it first. It smells of mortality. Oh, ruined piece of nature. This great world shall so wear out to naught. Dost thou know me? I remember thine eyes well enough. Dost thou squinny at me? No, do thy worst blind Cupid. I'll not love. Read thou this challenge, but mark the penning of it. Were all the letters sons, I could not see one. I would not take this from report. It is, and my heart breaks at it. Read! What, with the case of eyes? Oh, are you with me there? No eyes in your head, no money in your purse? Your eyes are in a heavy case, your purse in a light. Yet, you see how this world goes. I see it feelingly. What, art mad? A man may see how this world goes with no eyes. Look with thine ears. See how yon justice rails upon yon simple thief. Hark in thine ear. Change places and handy dandy, which is the justice, which is the thief. Thou hast seen a farmer's dog bark at a beggar? Aye, sir. And the creature run from the cur? There thou mightst behold the great image of authority. A dog's obeyed in office. Thou rascal beetle, hold thy bloody hand. Why dost thou lash that whore, strip thine own back? Thou hotly lust to use her in that kind for which thou whipst her. The user hangs the cousiner. Through tattered clothes, small vices do appear. Robes and furred gowns hide all. Plate sin with gold and the strong lance of justice hurtless breaks. Arm it in rags, a pygmy's straw does pierce it. None does offend, none, I say none, unable. Take that of me, my friend, who have the power to seal the accuser's lips. Get the glass eyes, and like a scurvy politician, seem to see the things thou dost not. Now, 
Now, now, now, now. Pull off my boots. Harder. Harder. So. Oh, matter and impertinency mixed. Reason in madness. If thou wilt weep my fortunes, take my eyes. I know thee well enough, thy name is Gloucester. Thou must be patient. We came crying hither. Thou knowest, the first time that we smell the air, we wall and cry. I will preach to thee, mark me. Lack, lack the day. When we are born, we cry that we are come to this great stage of fools. This is a good block. It were a delicate stratagem to shoe a troop of horse with felt. I'll put it in proof. And when I've stolen upon these son-in-laws, then kill, 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 kill! Enter a gentleman with attendants. Oh, here he is. Lay hand upon him. Sir, your most dear daughter. No rescue? What, a prisoner? I am even the natural fool of fortune. Use me well. You, you shall have ransom. Let me have surgeons. I am cut to the brains. You shall have anything. No seconds? All myself? Why, this would make a man a man of salt to use his eyes for garden water pots, I and laying autumn's dust. Good, sir. I will die bravely like a bridegroom. But I, I will be jovial. Come, come. I am a king, my masters. Know you that? You are a royal one, and we obey you. Then there's life in it. Come, and you get it. You shall get it by running. Sa, 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 sa. Exit running. Attendants follow. Sight most pitiful in the meanest wretch, past speaking of in a king. Thou hast one daughter who redeems nature from the general curse, which twain have brought her to. Hail, gentle sir. Sir, speed you. What's your will? Do you hear aught, sir, of a battle toward? Most sure and vulgar. Everyone hears that, which can distinguish sound. But by your favor, how near is the other army? Near and on speedy foot, the main descry stands on the hourly thought. Thank you, sir. That's all. So that the queen on special causes here, her army is moved on. Thank you, sir. Exit, gentlemen. You ever gentle gods take my breath from me. Let not my worser spirit tempt me again to die before you, please. Well, pray you, father. Now, good sir, what are you? A most poor man, maintained to fortune's blows, who, by the art of known and feeling sorrows, am pregnant to good pity. Give me your hand, I'll lead you to some biting. Hearty thanks. The bounty and the benison of heaven to boot and boot. Enter Oswald. A proclaimed prize, most happy. That eyeless head of thine was first framed flesh to raise my fortunes. 
Thou old unhappy traitor, briefly thyself remember, the sword is out that must destroy thee. <clears throat> now let thy friendly hand put strength enough to it. Edgar interposes. Wherefore, bold peasant, darest thou support a published traitor? Hence, lest the infection of his fortune take like hold on thee, let go his arm. Shall not let go, sir, without further occasion. Let go, slave, or thou diest. Good gentlemen, go your gate and let poor folk walk past. And should have been swaggered out of my life, but had not been so long as tin by a fortnight. Nay, come not near the old man. Keep out to war, or ye is try whether your custard or my bottle be a harder. She'll be plain with you. Out, dunghill. He'll pick your teeth, sir. Come, no matter for your foins. They fight, and Edgar knocks him down. What? Slave, thou hast slain me. Mm. Villain, take my purse. If ever thou wilt thrive, bury my body, and give the letters which thou find'st about me to Edmund, Earl of Gloucester. Seek him out upon the British party. Oh, Oh, untimely death. Dies. I know thee well. A serviceable villain, as duteous to the vices of thy mistress as badness would desire. What is he dead? Sir, I, I sit you down, father. Re rest you. Uh, let's to these pockets. The letters that he speaks of may be my friends. He's dead. I am only sorry he had no other death's man. Let us see. Leave gentle wax and manners, blame us not. To know our enemies' minds, we'll rip their hearts. Their papers is more lawful. Let our reciprocal vows be remembered. You have many opportunities to cut him off. If your will want not, time and place will be fruitfully offered. There is nothing done if you return the conqueror. Then am I the prisoner in his bed, my jail. From the loathed warmth whereof deliver me and supply the place of your labor. Your wife, so I would say, affectionate servant, Donald. Oh, undistinguished space of women's will. A plot upon her virtuous husband's life and the exchange my brother. Here in the sands, thee I'll rake up the post unsanctified of murderous, lecher, murderous lectures, and in the mature time with the ungracious paper strike the sight of the death-practiced duke. For him tis well, and of thy death and business I can tell. The king is mad. How stiff is my vile sense that I stand up and have ingenious feeling of my huge sorrows. Better I would distract. So should my thoughts be severed from my griefs and woes by wrong imaginations lose the knowledge of themselves. Give me your hand. Drum afar off. Far off, methinks. I hear the beaten drum. Come, father. I will bestow you with a friend. Exeunt. Scene seven, a tent in the French camp, Lear on a bed asleep, soft music playing, gentlemen and others attending. Enter Cordelia, Kent, and doctor.
Cordelia? We'll try that again. I was on mute. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Enter Cordelia Kent and Doctor. Oh, thou good Kent, how shall I live and work to match thy goodness? My life will be too short and every measure fail me. To be acknowledged, madam, is or paid. All my reports go with the modest truth, no more, nor more clipped, no, nor more, nor clipped, but so. Be better suited. These weeds are memories of those worser hours. I prithee put them off. Pardon me, dear madam. Yet to be known shortens my made intent. My boon I make it, that you know me not, till time and I think meet. Then be it so, my good lord. How does the king? Madam sleeps still. Oh, you kind gods, cure this great breach in his abused nature. Thuntuned and jarring senses, oh, wind up of this child-changed father. So please, your majesty, that we may wake the king. He hath slept long. Be governed by your knowledge and proceed at the sway of your own will. Is he arrayed? Aye, madam. In the, heaviest, in the heaviness of his sleep, we put fresh garments on him. Be by, good madam, when we do wake him. I doubt not of his temperance. Very well. Please you, draw near. Louder the music there. Oh, my dear father. Restoration, hang thy medicine on my lips, and let this kiss repair those violent harms that my two sisters have in thy reverence made. Kind and dear princess. Had you not been there, father, these white flakes did challenge pity of them. Was this a face to be opposed against the warring winds? To stand against the deep dread bolted thunder in the most terrible and nimble stroke of quick cross lightning? To watch poor Perdue with this thin helm. Mine enemy's dog, though he had bit me, should have stood that night against my fire. And must thou fain, poor father, to hovel thee with swine and rogues, forlorn and short and musty straw? Alack, alack, tis wonder that thy life and wits at once had not concluded all. He wakes, speak to him. Madam, do you, tis fittest. How does my royal lord? How fares your majesty? You do me wrong to take me out of the grave. Thou art a soul in bliss, but I am bound upon a wheel of fire that mine own tears do scald like molten lead. Sir, do you know me? You are a spirit, I know. Where did you die? Still, still far wide. He's scarce awake. Let him alone a while. Where have I been? Where am I? Fair daylight. I am mightily abused. I should even die with pity to see another thus. I know not what to say. I will not swear these are my hands. Let's see. Oh, I feel this pinprick. But I were assured of my condition. Oh, look upon me, sir, and hold your hands in benediction o'er me. No, sir, you must not kneel. I do not mock me. I am a very foolish, fond old man. Four score and upward, not an hour more, no less. And to deal plainly, 
I, I fear I am not in my perfect mind. Methinks I should know you and know this man. Yet I am doubtful, for I am mainly ignorant what place this is, and all the skill I have remembers not these garments, nor I know not where I did lodge last night. Do not laugh at me, for as I am a man, I think this lady to be my child, Cordelia. And so I am. I am. Be your tears wet. Yes. Faith, I pray weep not. If you have poison for me, I will drink it. I know you do not love me, for your sisters have, as I do remember, done me wrong. You have some cause, they have not. No cause. No cause. Am, am, am I in France? In your own kingdom, sir. Do not abuse me. Be comforted, good madam. The great rage you see is killed in him, and yet it is a danger to make him even or the time he is lost. Desire him to go in. Trouble him no more till further settling. But please, your highness, walk. You, you must bear with me. Pray you now, forget and forgive. I am old and foolish. Exit all but Kent and gentlemen. Halt it true, sir, that the Duke of Cornwall was so slain? Most certain, sir. Who is conductor of his people? As tis said, a bastard son of Gloucester. They say Edgar, his banished son, is with the Earl of Kent in Germany. Report is changeable. Tis time to look about. The powers of the kingdom approach apace. The, arbiter uh, the arbitrament is like to be bloody. Fare you well, sir. Exit. My point and period will be throughly wrought, or well, or ill, as this day's battles fought. Exit. Act five, scene one, the British camp near Dover. Enter with drum and colors, Edmund, Regan, gentlemen, and soldiers. Know of the Duke, if his last purpose hold, or whether since he is advised by aught to change the course, He's full of alteration and self-reproving. Bring his constant pleasure. Our sister's man is certainly miscarried. Tis, tis to be doubted, madam. Now, sweet lord, you know the goodness I intend upon you. Tell me, but truly, but then speak the truth. Do you not love my sister? In honored love. But have you never found my brother's way to the forfended place? <laughs> that thought abuses you. I am doubtful that you have been conjunct and bosomed with her as far as we call hers. No, by mine honor, madam. 
I shall never endure her. Dear my lord, be not familiar with her. Fear me not. She and the duke, her husband. Enter with drum and colors, Albany, Goneril, and soldiers. I had rather lose the battle than that sister should loosen him and me. Our very loving sister, well be met. Sir, this I hear. The king is come to his daughter, with others whom the rigor of our state forced to cry out. Where I could not be honest, I never yet was valiant. But this business, it touches us as France invades our land. Not bolds the king with others whom I fear most just and heavy causes make oppose. Sir, you speak nobly. Why is this reasoned? Combine together against the enemy, for these domestic and particular broils are not the question here. That's then determined with the ancient of war on our proceedings. I shall attend you presently at your tent. Sister, you'll go with us? No. Tis most convenient. Pray you, go with us. Oh, oh. I know the riddle. I will go. As they are going out, enter Edgar disguised. If ere your grace had speech with men so poor, hear me one word. I'll overtake you. Speak. Exit all but Albany and Edgar. Before you fight the battle, oak this letter. If you have victory, let the trumpet sound for him that brought it. Wretched though I seem, I can produce a champion that will prove what is avouched there. If you miscarry your business of the world, have so an end, and machination ceases. Fortune love you. Stay till I have read the letter. I was forbid it. When time shall serve, let but the herald cry, and I'll appear again. I fare thee well. I will o'erlook thy paper. Exit Edgar, re-enter Edmund. The enemy's in view. Drop your powers. Here is a yes of their true strength and forces by, deli by diligent discovery. But your haste is now urged on you. We will greet the time. Exit. To both these sisters have I sworn my love, each jealous of the other, as a stung, as the stung are of the adder. Which of them shall I take? Both? One? Neither? Neither can be enjoyed if both remain alive. To take the widow exasperates, makes mad her sister Goneril, and hardly shall I carry out my side, and hardly shall I carry out my side, her husband being alive. Now then will use his countenance for the battle, which being done, let who, let her who would let her who would be rid of him devise his speedy taking off, as for the mercy which he intends to Lear and to Cordelia, the battle done, and they within our powers shall ha shall never see shall never see his pardon. For my state stands on me to defend, not to debate. Exit. Scene two, a field, beneath, a field between the two camps. Enter with drum and colors King Lear, Cordelia, and soldiers over the stage and exit. Enter Edgar and Gloucester. Here, father, take the shadow of this tree for your good host. Pray that the right may thrive. If ever I return to you again, I'll bring comfort. 
Grace go with you, sir. Exit Edgar. Alum and retreat within, re-enter Edgar. Away, old man. Give me thy hand away. King Lear hath lost, and his daughter, he and his daughter Tain. Give me thy hand, come on. No, father, sir. A man may rot even here. What? In ill thoughts again. Men must endure their going hence as their coming hither. Rightness is all come on. That's true, too. Exit. Scene three, the British camp near Dover. Enter in conquest with drum and colors, Edmund, King Lear, and Cordelia. Prisoners, captain, soldiers, etc. Some officers take them away. Good guard until their, their till good guard until their greater pleasures first be known, that are to censure them. We are not the first who, with best meaning, have incurred the worst. For thee, oppressed king, I am cast down. Myself could else outfrown false fortune's frown. Shall we not see these daughters and these sisters? No, 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 no. Come, let's away to prison. We two alone will sing like birds of the cage. When thou dost ask me blessing, I'll kneel down and ask of thee forgiveness. So we'll live. And pray and sing and tell old tales and laugh at gilded butterflies and hear poor rogues talk of court news and we'll talk with them too. Who loses and who wins, who's in, who's out and take upon us the mystery of things, as if we were God's spies, and will wear out in a walled prison pacts and sects of great ones that ebb and flow by the moon. Take them away. Upon such sacrifices, my Cordelia, the gods themselves throw incense. Have I caught thee? He that parts us shall bring a brand from heaven and fire us hence like foxes. Wipe thine eyes. The good years shall devour them, flesh and fell, ere they shall make us weep. We'll see them starved first. Come. Exit King Lear and Cordelia, guarded. Come hither, Captain Mark. Take thou this note. Giving a paper. Go, follow them to prison. One step have I advanced thee. If thou dost as this instructs thee, let us make thy way to noble fortunes. Know thou this, that men are as in time is, to be tender-minded, does not become a sword, thy great employment will not bear question. I either say thou do it, or thrive by our means. I'll do it, my lord. About it, and right happy when thou, when, when thou hast done. Mark, I say, instantly, and carry it so as I have set it down. I cannot draw a cart nor eat dried oats. If it be man's work, I'll do it. Exit. Flourish. Enter Albany, Goneril, Regan, another captain, and soldiers. Sir. You have shown today your valiant strain, and fortune led you well. You have the captives that were the opposites of this day's strife. We do require them of you, so to use them as we shall find their merits and our safety may equally determine. Sir, I thought it fit to send the old and miserable king to some, retent to some retention and appointed guard, 
whose age has charms in it, whose title more to pluck the common bosom on his side and turn our impressed lances in our eyes, which do command them. With him I sent the queen, my reason all the same. And they are ready tomorrow or at further space to appear, to appear where, where you shall hold your, your session. At this time we sweat and bleed. The friends, the friend hath lost his friend. And the best quarrels in the heat are cursed by those that feel their sharpness. The question of, the question of Cordelia and her father requires a fitter place. Sir, by your patience, I hold you but a subject of this war, not as a brother. That's as we list to grace him. Methinks our pleasure might have been demanded ere you had spoke so far. He led our powers, bore the commission of my place and person, the which immediacy may well stand up and call itself your brother. Not so hot. In his own grace he doth exalt himself more than in your addition. In my rights, by me invested, he compares the best. That were the most, if he should husband you. Gestures do oft prove prophets. Holla, holla, that I that told you so looked but a squint. Ha <laughs> ha, lady, I am not well. Else I should answer from a full-flowing stomach. General, take thou my soldiers, prisoners, patrimony, dispose of them, of me. The walls are thine. Witness the world that I create thee here, my lord and master. Mean you to enjoy him. The let alone lies not in your goodwill. Nor in mine, lord. Half-blooded fellow, yes. Let the drum strike and prove my title thine. Stay yet. Hear reason, Edmund. I arrest thee on capital treason, and in thine attaint this gilded serpent. Pointing to Goneril. For your, for your claim, fair sister, I bar it in the interest of my wife. Tis she is subcontracted to this lord, and I, her husband, contradict your bands. If you will marry, make your loves to me. My lady is bespoke. An interlude. Thou art armed, Gloucester, but the trumpet sound. If none appear to prove upon thy head, thy heinous manifest in many treasons, there is my pledge. Throwing down a glove. I'll prove it on thy heart. Ere I taste bread, thou art in nothing less than I have here proclaimed thee. Sick. Oh, oh, sick. If not, I'll ne'er trust medicine. There's my exchange. Throwing down a glove. What in the world is what in the world he is that names me traitor? Villain like he lies. Call by thy trumpet. He that dares approach on him, on you, who not? I will remain my truth and honor firmly. A herald, ho. A herald, ho, a herald. Trust to thy single virtue, for thy soldiers, all levied in my name, have in my name took their discharge. My sickness grows upon me. She is not well. Convey her to my tent. Exit Regan Led. Enter a herald. 
come hither, Herald. Let the trumpet sound and read out this. Sound trumpet, trumpet sounds. If any man of quality or degree within the lists of the army will maintain upon Edmund, the supposed Earl of Gloucester, that he is a manifold traitor, let him appear by the third sound of the trumpet. He is bold in his defense. Sound. First trumpet. Again. Second trumpet. Again. Third trumpet. Trumpet answers within. Enter Edgar as the third sound, armed with a trumpet before him. Ask him his purposes, why he appears upon this call of the trumpet. Jeanette, what you're on you? mute. What are you, your name, your quality, and why you answer this present summons? Know that my name is lost, by treason's tooth, bear, non, and canker bit, yet am I noble as the adversary I come to compass. Which is that adversary? What's he that speaks for Edmund, Earl of Gloucester? Himself. What sayest thou to him? Draw thy sword, that if my speech offend a noble heart, thy arm may do thee justice. Here is mine. Behold, it is the privilege of mine honours, my oath and my profession. I protest, maugre thy strength, youth, place and eminence, despite thy victor sword and fire new fortune, thy valour and thy heart, thou art a traitor. False to thy gods, thy brother, thy father, conspirant, conspirant against this high illustrious prince, and from the extremest upward of thy head to the descent and dust below thy foot, a most toad-spotted traitor. Sayst thou no, this sword, this arm, and my best spirits are bent to prove upon thy heart whereto I speak, thou liest. In wisdom I should ask thy name. But since thy outward looks so fair and warlike, and that thy tongue some say of breeding, of breeding bre breaths, breaths, what safe and nicely I might well delay by rule of knighthood. I disdain and spurn. Back do I toss these treasons. Back do I toss these treasons to thy head. With the hell-heated lie o'erwhelm thy heart, which for, which for they yet glance by and scarcely bruise, this sword of mine shall give them instantly, instant way where, where they shall rest forever. Trumpets speak. Alarms, they fight, Edmund falls. Save him, save him. This is practice, Gloucester. By the law of arms, thou wast not bound to answer an unknown opposite. Thou art not vanquished, but cousined and beguiled. Shut your mouth, dame, or with this paper shall I stop it. Hold, sir, thou worse than any name. Read thine own evil. No tearing, lady. I perceive you know it. Gives the letter to Edmund. Say, if I do, the laws are mine, not thine. Who can reign me for it? Most monstrous, oh, knowest thou this paper? Ask me not what I know. Exit. Go after her. She's desperate. Govern her. What have you charged me with that I have done? And more, much 
more. The time will bring it out. Tis past, and so am I. But what art thou that hast this fortune on me? If thou art noble, I do forgive thee. Let's exchange charity. I am no less in blood than thou art, Edmund. If more, the more thou hast wronged me. My name is Edgar, and thy father's son. The gods are just, and of our pleasant vices make instruments to plague us. The dark and vicious place where thee he got cost him his eyes. Thou hast spoken, thou hast spoken right, tis true. The wheel is come full circle. circle. I am here. Methought thy very gate did prophesy a royal nobleness. I must embrace thee. Let sorrow split my heart if ever I did hate thee or thy father. Worthy prince, I not. Where have you hid yourself? How have you known the miseries of your father? By nursing them, my lord. List a brief tale, and when tis told, oh, that my heart would burst, the bloody proclamation to escape that followed me so near, oh, our lives' sweetness, that we, the pain of death, would hourly die rather than die at once, taught me to shift into a madman's rags, to assume a semblance that very dogs disdained, and in this habit met I my father with his bleeding rings, their precious stones new lost, became his guide, led him, begged for him, saved him from despair, never, O oh, fault, revealed myself unto him until some half hour passed, when I was armed, not sure though, hoping of his, this good success, I asked his blessing, and from first to last told him my pilgrimage, but his flawed heart, Alack, too weak, the conflict to support, two extremes of passion, joy, and grief, burst smilingly. This speech of yours hath moved me, and shall perchance do good. But speak you on. You look as, as you had something more to say. If there be more, more woeful, hold it in. For I am almost ready to dissolve hearing of this. This would have seemed a period to such as love not sorrow, but another to amplify too much would make much more and top extremity. Whilst I was big in clamor, came therein a man who, having seen me in my worst estate, shunned my, my abhorred society. But then, finding who twas that so endured with his strong arms, he fastened on my neck and bellowed out as he'll burst heaven, threw him on my father, told the most piteous tale of Lear and him that ever ear received, which in recounting his grief grew puissant and the strings of life began to crack. Twice the trumpet sounded and there I left him tranced. But who was this? Kent, sir, the banished Kent, who in disguise followed his enemy king and did him service improper for a slave. Enter a gentleman with a bloody knife. Help, help, oh help. What kind of help? Speak, man. What means this bloody knife? Tis hot. It smokes. It came even from the heart of... Oh, she's dead. Who dead? Speak, man. Your lady, sir, your lady, and her sister by her is poisoned. She has confessed it. I was contracted to them both. All three now marry in an instant. Here comes Kent. 
produce their bodies, be they alive or dead. This judgment of the heavens that makes us tremble touches us not with pity. Exit, gentlemen. Enter Kent. So? Is this he? The time will not allow the compliment which very manners urges. I am come to bid my king and master aye good night. Is he not here? Great thing of us forgot. Speak, Edmund. Where's the king? And where's Cordelia? Seest thou this object, Kent? The bodies of Goneril and Regan are brought in. Alack, why thus? Yet Edmund was beloved. The one, the other poisoned for my sake, and after slew herself. Even so. Cover their faces. I pant for life. Some good I mean to do, despite mine own nature. Quickly send, be brief, and to the castle. For my writ is on, for my writ is on the life of Lear and on Cordelia. Nay, send in time. Run, run, oh run! To who, my lord, who hath the office, send thy token of reprieve. Well thought on, take my sword. Give it, give it the captain. Haste thee for thy life. Exit, Edgar. He hath commission from thy wife and me to hang Cordelia in the prison and to lay the blame upon her own despair that she was forbid herself. The gods defend her. Bear him hence a while. Edmund is borne off. Re-enter King Lear with Cordelia dead in his arms, Edgar, Captain, and others following. Howl. 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 Oh, you are men of stones. Had I your tongues and eyes, I'd use them so that heaven's vault should crack. She's gone forever. I know when one is dead and when one lives, she's dead as earth. Lend me a looking glass. If that her breath will mist or stain the stone, why then she lives. Is this the promised end? What image of that horror? Fall and cease. This feather stirs. She lives. If it be so, it is a chance which does redeem all sorrows that ever I have felt. Oh, my good master. Prithee away. His noble Kent, your friend. A plague upon you, murderers! Traitors all! I might have saved her, now she's gone forever. Cordelia, Cordelia, stay a little. Huh? What does that say? Her, her, her voice was, was ever soft. Gentle and low, an excellent thing in a woman. I killed the slave that was a hanging thee. Tis true, my lords, he did. Did I not, fellow? 
I've seen the day with my good biting falchion, I would have made him skip. I am old now. And these same crosses spoil me. Who are you? My eyes are none of the best, I'll tell you straight. They fortune brag of two she loved and hated. One of them we behold. This is a dull sight. Or not you, Kent? The same. Your servant, Kent. Where is your servant, Caius? He's a good fellow, I can tell you that. He'll strike, and quickly, too. He's dead and rotten. No, my good lord. I am the very man. I'll, I'll, I'll see that straight. That from your first indifference and decay have followed your sad steps. You're, you're, you're welcome, Hilly. Nor no man else. All's cheerless, dark, and deadly. Your eldest daughters have fordone themselves and desperately are dead. Aye, so I think. He knows not what he says, and vain it is that we present us to him. Very bootless. Enter a captain. Edmund is dead, my lord. Oh, that's but a trifle here. You lords and noble friends know our intent. What comfort to this great decay may come shall be applied. For us, we will resign during the life of this old majesty to him, our absolute power. You, to your rights, with boot and such addition as your honors have more than merited. All friends shall taste the wages of their virtue and all foes the cup of their deservings. Oh, see, see. My poor fool is hanged. No, 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 life. Why should a dog, a, a horse, a rat have life? And thou no breath at all? Not come no more? Never, never, never. 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 Pray you uh, undo this button. Thank you, sir. Oh, do you see this? Look on her. Look her lips. Look there. Look there. He faints. My lord. My lord. Break, heart. I pray thee, break. Look up, my lord. Vex not his ghost. Oh, let him pass. He hates him much that would upon the rack of this tough world stretch him out longer. He is gone indeed. The wonder is he hath endured so long. He but usurped his life. Bear them from hence. Our present business is general woe. Friends of my soul, you, Twain, rule in this realm, and the gored state sustain. I have a journey, sir, shortly to go. My master calls me. I must not say no. The weight of this sad time we must obey. Speak what we feel, 
not would be aught to say. The oldest have borne most. We that are young shall never see so much, nor live so long.